Hello and welcome to Indiepocalypse Radio, the number one game adjacent radio show on the internet. I am your host, Andrew, and I'm here to have a good time and think about the boss all night. Because sometimes you gotta sit down and you gotta think about the boss and go, is he any good? Is he uncool dad music? Or is he... The eternal question a friend once posed is that if Tom Petty... Did I say this? I can't remember if I said this on radio once. But if Tom Petty was not popular, would he be a revered in within like the music canon? And it's something I think about a lot in terms of like how much popularity moves people away from canonization. And But that's one thing and we are here with another thing which is talking to guests um our first guest you may remember from uh, this very show some number of episodes ago or issue nine, 10 of indie apocalypse 10 yes you got it number 10 and i was the the very first episode of indie apocalypse radio so it's easy to remember yes or, or hard to remember because it was so long ago I remember because it was the only other one that I was on. <laughs> so it's quite easy for me. Yes. <laughs> I've been around for here for a while. Yes, you are in the very the premiere episode and you are the, the second returning guest. Welcome back, oh. Sophie. How Thank you, you for having me again. Yeah, there I've been wanting to have people again, but then I always ask people last minute, but now I'm getting much better <laughs> at Yeah, you've asked me a few times a few <laughs> different weeks, and every single time that it had happened to be a day that I was not available. But Yeah. But now I am getting better at scheduling well in advance, weeks ahead. I give people twenty four hours. If they don't respond, I move on to the next person and say, Well Wonderful. they're never gonna respond ever. And I Now I had question. Now I have a question here. Sure. From our previous guest. Sure. This is the question. If you okay. could snap, if you could snap your fingers and have something immediately implemented in your game, what would it be? Oh Lord! Oh goodness! Um, I mean, that's a tough one because as as someone who makes visual novels i could say so many things also, <laughs> visual is... novels are just sort of a, a dressing that you can put on just about any type of game uh sorry were you gonna say yes. something yes it's very important to note that this is the only thing that your this magic finger snap works for everything else you're back to your back to just mm -hmm. you I'm going to say I always really wanted to make an RPG, but I'm not at that point in my development career where I could do that. So I would probably use it on that. I'd probably make something into an RPG and just write the story and characters around it. Okay. So like not like a RPG on top of a visual novel as some things are. I mean, sure. I'd, I'd have to think about it. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd hold off on my snap for a few days probably. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Because there's also, there's, oh God, I want to make like um, a Harvest Moon game eventually too. Awesome. So that's another option. Hey, so do but, I. <laughs> but I feel like if I implement the RPG mechanics and I can sort of uh, use those to create a Harvest Moon. Yeah, like once, the, once you got those tools already in there, you can just figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking of visual novels, 
at one point yeah. on Twitter, I saw someone making a joke on the internet, as the people try to often do. Uh-huh. And it was some sort of text cap with a subtitle. And on the person talking, it said, Ryukishi. And I was like, I know who that is now. I don't. Oh, you remembered. I don't get the joke still. <laughs> <laughs> but I, under I know what that name is now. You know what the name is. Yes, I understand. Like, ah, that's something about visual novels. Yes, sound novels, perhaps. I think it might have been something about writing a lot of words. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> if anyone wants to know where I get my long-witted writing style from, it was certainly him. Hey, what's your what's your count up to? What do you what's your I feel like we had a count check-in that I forgot of how long oh, like a word count was of spare parts was. <laughs> what's your word count? Yeah, I don't remember. I I I I don't remember what I said back then, but it's still hovering around like 90 to 95,000 words. Okay, um, I've made a lot of changes to the script in the last like month um, because I have a clearer idea of where episode three is going to be now. So I am uh, thinking about pacing and those sorts of things. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard. It also sounds like it could be a tool for cowards, so I'm not sure. Uh, you cut out in the middle there. You you said something about hearing about a tool for cowards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about pacing being a tool for cowards. Ah. Uh, um, I don't... I wow. have some other questions here that I want to get through. These are actual questions from users. Users. Uh, users. Um, you know, those people that submit questions? Users. Yeah. Users have logged on to submit yes. questions. Some time ago, they went to this Google form. Um... This is from Sean. This is what game development AAA in, or indie are you looking most forward to? I'm not sure the context of that question or if it makes sense considering I have all independent developers. Maybe it'll make sense for somebody down the road. Wait, it, it, sorry, it asks AAA indie yeah, like says, as separate things, just like which says, of any of them? What game I, then there's an I, I don't know if that's a typo, development Game in development. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, you salvaged the question for me. Thank you. What game <laughs> in development, triple A or indie, are you most looking okay. forward to? Um, I mean, triple A wise, I am really looking forward to the Breath of the Wild too because the first game was so much of everything that I wanted in like an exploration sort of game, um, and that's sort of the thing I most appreciate about having my hands on a controller and moving around is just sort of exploring weird crevices and finding weird. Uh, little environments and things to explore and climb around on. What are you, what are your feelings on weapon durability? I think it's fine. Okay. I mean, it, certainly it could have been touched up. I, I think they designed around the... Um, I, I think the one thing that I don't like about it, um, and it doesn't even have to do with the weapon durability itself, but I feel like at a certain point in that game, anytime you find a weapon, it's just like, well, I already have better than this or yeah. i already have this like three of them sitting in my inventory that i don't use because i want to save them for something yeah um, i i because i enjoyed it a lot i like just just shocking weapons at people because i don't need them anymore. it's good that like um critical hit you get when a weapon breaks is really really satisfying and clever i really like that mechanic of it um but i do wish there was some sort of like permanence to like your arsenal of weapons or not necessarily even permanence but that I guess more than anything, I feel like I wish less of the rewards were just another weapon. Oh, yeah. 
That's like you know really good. I also snuck into the castle very early on. I got a lot of <laughs> very sick weapons. Yeah. It's a good game. I enjoy it. Hot good takes game. on Indiepocalypse Radio is, as always, hot takes, which is Breath of the Thanks. Wild is fun. Um, we got One other I want to shout out in, yes. in the vein of visual novels that are not uh, AAA Nintendo uh, billion gajillion dollar games um i'm really excited for the last volume of the flowers visual novel series which is a uh yuri visual novel series that has been very slowly being translated over the past like four five years or so um and the third of four came out last year officially and it was yes yes i don't think there's any fan translation projects happening right now really um but uh it's it's a series that has gotten much much like more like every every time one a new one comes out i kind of think like oh well this character i'm not like as interested in as the character that was central last time yeah but by the end of it i my opinion has completely changed i feel like the writing gets so much better each one um and it's 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 been very good i'm really excited for winter to come out which probably won't be until 2022 if i had to guess so do what I do and just learn Japanese. <sighs> <laughs> that's, that's my secret. You got it. On my it. on my secret quest to find my secret unspoken quest that is only for myself to find the one good queer manga in the world that oh. adheres to my own rigid guidelines. I know well. it exists, I know it exists somewhere. Yeah, I was gonna say that first part. You probably aren't looking in the right places then, because there's yeah, plenty of like, those. But then, like, yeah. I'm sick of high schoolers. That's I'm, fair. I'm sick of like, okay, so can't be high schoolers. People have That's... to be. In, they got to be in relationships. Homosexuality needs to exist as a concept. Oof. It can't be just like <laughs> people of the, or at the very least, people of the opposite gender need to exist. Yeah. The, yeah. I get, that's yeah no that's a tough that's a tougher one yeah it's i mostly because like i fu- i fall ass backwards over it in like western comics just like mm-hmm. everywhere i my anecdote is easily my easily brought up anecdote is i bought like a some volume one of some like dark horse thing that was like mm-hmm. it, it was a free shipping stuffer basically because it was like five bucks mm-hmm. and it was like ends up being this weird polyamorous relationship between this female king arthur and like an asexual lancelot and the guinevere and it's like what are you sure you're not reading uh fate i'm fairly certain <laughs> okay no it and, was like and that's just what i mean like, I, I feel like the I'm closer i get the yeah yeah <laughs> i bet fate has lots of subtext or something. I, I'm, I would, I would is, describe it more as super text, but it's always weird with me, mostly because. <laughs> it's certainly easier to find a, yeah. I feel like a wider breadth of uh, like small stories and small projects in like you know wherever you're from and whatever right. language you yeah um, were raised speaking. I think that's the issue and that's like it's more that what gets translated is like you know the very modern equivalent yeah like very mainstream stuff yeah 
that's whatever whatever money can be put into to then be extracted from in a lot of cases exactly something safe and marketable yeah for like an international they don't have to scrub it all for an international audience it's, yeah it's... I, I feel like i feel like that's less i mean these days it's a little easier to localize something on an indie level than it right. used to be but even stuff yeah it's it's weird but anyway, anyway, that's that's a that's a divergence into Andrew's <laughs> manga quest because I heard like Yuri, huh? Yuri, Yuri, it's good. It's out there. It's real. Yeah. Listen, I also like got like real mid aughts yaoi culture really poisoned the mm. well for mm. like well. For me. Sorry about that, because I was <laughs> I was in there. I was I was supping of that well quite eagerly. It really made me very hesitant to like get into anything that involves two men. I was like, I don't know about this. I feel like this is for just horny straight ladies. It's I mean, certainly that was the prevailing culture of it at the yeah. time in like our side of the world. Um but there's a lot more to it than that. There is, but look, it is <laughs> poisoned my brain, and I know it's. I know. I it's, I know it's better than that, but there's that kind of like when you drink sour milk once in your life, and you're like, I never want to drink milk ever again. Yeah, I get you. But I loved the sour milk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, I loved all of the most trashy um problematic types of uh bl that you could uh listen i and i still do i listen i dip my toe in occasion i read all of and really enjoyed banana fish but that's like halfway mm. there i haven't gotten around to it yet it's like kind of sort of but not quite it's not yeah just, it's not like your countries or your horny countries or you boys oh, don't I'm not going to say, I've, I've said no. it by name. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm not going I, to summon it. Though apparently it still exists. If there's one, if there's one <laughs> regret from that era that I have, I'm not, that's, See, you know, right. That's what it all looks like to me to some extent. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I got into some really big, really well thought out, like, 50 100 page role play threads yeah it was good which country yeah, were you in? A, oh, it was a lot of them <laughs> speaking of which country were you this is from morgana aka mystery corgi what is your writing process for the narrative aspects of your game and how do you balance explicit storytelling with storytelling via game mechanics i mean <laughs> you're asking a visual novel yes. person so <laughs> The parenthetical being disregard of certain games slash visual novels don't have mechanical storytelling. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit. I, I try to put in some breaks where you click menu icons just to sort of break down the structure and pacing of clicking through blindly. Um, but generally speaking, if I'm writing something, I kind of just start writing and then I go back through it later and move things around and see if any new ideas come to me. So I guess the question, a similar question would be, how often do you consider, like, um, I guess, prompt breaks from the main character? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, like, what deems that besides, like, is it always, like, a 
branch or is it um well i mean so with spare parts i don't it's a it's a kinetic novel quote unquote uh which is to say that I, I don't intend on having any like split paths or like major decision making things. It's kind of just a, yeah. a format for a I guess story. More, it's more like a soft branch, rather. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some sequences. I decided very, very late into episode one that I could do some little scenes where you very lightly choose from a list of options of like how to proceed a dialogue or how to look around a space or what things to focus on stuff like that. Um, and at this point, I kind of just, whenever, like, the story calls for it, like, if you're, like, having a conversation with a new character, or you're, like, in a new space, and you're, like, anticipating something to come up or something to happen, it sort of helps, uh, I don't know. It, 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 I I feel like it's a very easy way to very lightly engage someone with a visual novel, just like a okay, there's a list here. I have to sort of blink a couple times and look at it. Yeah, if, or if they, they hit tab, something's got to catch it. Like, oh, I guess I do have to pay somewhat attention to this game. Yeah. They can't literally fast forward through the whole thing. Well, I can... <laughs> I guess I'm not going to give them a bad end, if that's what I guess, you mean. I but... guess in RenPy, technically, can you fast forward past choices too and it just picks one by default? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. It does hard stop you at choices. Believe so, yeah. Okay. Speaking of gameplay choices, this mm-hmm. is from Anonymous. How do you tell an indie dev that their game is bad and or taking too long? Uh, taking too long development wise, or to get no or just oh, like God. why does it keep why is this game so long? Why am I still playing it? I don't know that I would tell someone that. Right. <laughs> I would if 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 it was like a friend, I would sort of like. I mean, I don't know. If it's something they want to be doing, that's fine. Yeah. It it doesn't really matter to me. Right. <laughs> like if it's something they want to put out for the sake because they like need to like say they need to uh promote something or they're looking to make some money from something or anything like that, then obviously on a pragmatic level I can have that conversation of like, um, maybe it's worth it to put something smaller out now to get the ball rolling. Yeah. But, like, generally, I don't, I, f- I feel like part of the beauty of indie development is that you aren't beholden to, like, uh, fiscal quarters and stuff like that. Um, and, it, and it can be very messy and, like, who cares? Yeah. Like, actually, who cares for the most part? Just do, just make your thing. Put it when you, put it out when you want to put it out. Yeah. Um, you can have different standards for yourself, obviously, but I think base level, just, like, it's fine. Just chill. Just, you know. You... Yeah. And listen, I, if you make a bad game, the game please don't come and kick down your door and tell you you can't make games anymore. That's happened to me, actually. <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell you this, but it has Oh, happened. shit. I'm a, am I harboring a fugitive in Indie Apocalypse? No. I am uh, calling from my uh, parole officers. Oh. Office. Oh, okay. Okay. As I was going to say, you've got very good... F- audio quality it's, for a pretty phone this bit isn't anything i'm sorry just let's just move on <laughs> that's like i don't want to i don't want to make light of the carceral state yeah but <laughs> you, you've you've tripped my entire my one weakness which is doing bits but bit, uh, all bits aside um all bits. 
if this if this was a question for me because it's not addressed to anyone and how do i uh -huh. and and i would just answer it now in that context of how do i tell someone a game their game is bad like if they submitted it to the zine for instance um mm. i don't so there's a waiting list and you don't get the waiting list email that's <laughs> how you know your game is bad if you just get the yeah. generic one i send from itch that's how you know your game is bad mm -hmm. that's if dance and taking too long i just stop playing them because i'm like i'm sick of this game it's taking forever i hate it and i don't like it that's fair that's fair but that is all the questions i have wow. from the guests but we yeah. don't need questions oh. plenty of shows i think the first no actually we had a bunch of first a bunch of questions on our first episode i think or at least like two or three of them a couple a couple yeah. of them but i've gone through some serious dry spells in my day <laughs> so question wise of course mm -hmm. so i think we can manage through without any questions and i yeah, have been doing this for 14 episodes so of course i can just come up with something to say of course so, you can i'm waiting okay so <laughs> what did you so nintendo direct nintendo's in everyone loves nintendo i guess uh-huh um if you like games made for children and I do. Um, what would you have? What is your ideal Nintendo Direct game? That is mm -hmm. anything, anything that it could be. But I guess that's oh. being at least Nintendo related. Yeah. Well, I will say that the thing I'm most excited from from this most recent one was Mario Golf because I'm a huge sucker for video game golf. I one of my favorite things is the Camelot games for mm -hmm. like, um, GBA Mario and Golden Sun, it's confirmation dialogue boxes, which mm -hmm. is the guy shaking his head yes or no. Mm -hmm. That's my experience with Mario Golf. Thank you. That was my time. It's good. <laughs> I like the... I miss the original characters from some of the older Mario Golf. I miss Plum. Who is Plum? She's uh, just a girl who okay. golfs and hangs out with Mario and Bowser and all of her friends. Oh, is is that that's is that like GBA Mario Golf? It was Mario sixty four Golf. Oh, also. okay. Here she is. Yeah, I like her. Maybe she'll be back one of the hitting characters. I hear she's coming to Smash. That would be nice. You can make a me of her. Are you I sure guess she's that's not kind of trophy. Uh, I mean, I I guess. When it comes to Nintendo Directs, I'm not usually looking for anything in specific besides like a few specific Nintendo adjacent games on the horizon that I'm looking forward to. Like I always really like what Monolith Soft makes. So okay. I'm always excited to see what they put out. I'm always excited to hear about new RPGs. Have, um, you, have you played through Xenosaga? I haven't played it all the way through it. No, I okay. really, really want to because it's such a weird, so like, so up its own ass in ways that I absolutely love. Yeah. I okay yes I did get it right the other one I was like did I get it wrong no I got it right <laughs> I have the first also it's like stupid expensive now I think probably yeah I do have the first episode though because I'm like I like Xeno Gears I'll get the Xeno Saga <laughs> well I I would say it's more Xeno Saga is more similar to Xeno Gears than Xeno Blade <laughs> yeah but. You, do they you, as in they ran out of the budget on the second half and they started mm. like it's a visual novel mm -hmm. now well if you consider that it was originally supposed to be longer than three episodes then i suppose you could say that 
I feel like there's, yeah, I feel like if you go to Japan, I feel like there is just like massive RPG franchises that span like, oh, there's, there's 17 episodes. Huh? Yeah. Like Shenmue was supposed to be. Yeah. Good luck with that one. I, I am a Shenmue apologist through and through. I will not blame you. It's weird. I, I don't, I've never played a third one, but. The first one is yeah. bizarre, and I love it. The second one is similarly bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. I just like sitting around in the streets of China asking people if they want to play Lucky Hit. Yeah. Asking about sailors or whatever. Yeah. Doing doing the same uh, forklift minigame every day for like a long time. Like that's just game design. That's just yeah. storytelling through game design. It's baby. Honestly, like just like going to a capsule machine and like. Oh, I'm cranking it, and I got these little Sonics, and I can turn my yeah. Fang. Look at the guy. I can look at Fang the cowboy and like flip yeah. him over and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm with you. Shenmue is good. Shenmue three, eh, I I might I might have some opinions on, even as someone who has not played it. But yeah. I love like that's so games uh, like i said about xenosaga i love yeah. games that are up their own ass absolutely. about whatever they care about and nothing else you know absolutely i will and yes what if game was boring too yes what if game was boring too i would love if game was boring i am here to tell you as number one jean dealman fan i love boring ass stuff that yeah. seems to capture everyday life yeah but what is Sophie? As we head on out of this segment, as we are approaching the end of it, because these yeah. half hours as I as I fade away into dust, as you fade away into the muted version, of, muted portion of the Discord, and I make sure to queue up the correct screen I'm going to next. What is the most boring thing you do? You did today. I took a nap. A midday nap. Yeah, I woke okay. up like as you were calling the Discord. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Then we got okay. This is a very, <laughs> a very important question. How do you how do you nap? I nap terribly, and I would not advise anyone to nap the same way that I do. Which is anytime between one p.m. and seven p.m., I will just lay on my couch and fall asleep for a couple hours, okay. and then regret it, but have energy to do the things that I need to do. Perfect. I remember reading a Kate Beat comic from Forever Go about her dad sleeping dad style on the couch, like just like sitting and falling asleep, <laughs> and then I've adopted that i'm like that is my ideal way to nap or like backwards on my bed and using blank mm -hmm. like unnatural way so i don't fall asleep anyway before we before we transgress into like an infinite conversation about taking naps we're going to go to break instead so if you're yeah. glad to have you right. back thank you i will i will i will nap more no, not, don't, nap don't nap more. yet or actually you could nap <laughs> there's like an hour and a half between the you and the group session that's fine. Um, I'm fine. I'm great today. Don't even just don't. Speaking I'm fine. Of great, we're going to break now so we don't keep talking. Goodbye. Bye. So that was if you were there live because someone mentioned in the chat and I want to talk about it, that Electrolane version of I'm on fire. Um, I've been meaning to play Electrolane on the show for a while. They're like a defunct Scottish band. I think they're are they Scottish. They're somewhere over in those islands. I really like them. 
Um, and the original version of I'm on Fire is like kind of sleazy and that dude's sketchy, but I kind of like it. And this one is just like nervous and anxious and horny. And I also really appreciate that. And I respect everyone who, when they write their songs or when they cover songs, they don't change the gender because people who change the gender in their songs are cowards. You know who's not a coward, though, I presume. That is our next guest. Oh, no, I moved where the questions are. So, Damien, who you may know from issue three of Indie Apocalypse or just like on the internet making games, because I think I even knew about your games before Indie Apocalypse. I'm like, that name sounds familiar. That game oh, being, I have, low st- I have low stats, but my class is leader, so I recruit everyone I know to fight the Dark Lord. Damien, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I am, yes, doing very well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as a first-time guest, the important question that I got to ask, how did you find out about Indiepocalypse? It's been a while since issue number three now. Um, I'm going to say just well I'm, I'm still like very indie like I, I still don't make any money off of my games okay. um let me tell you about not making money <laughs> yeah no no i i've been doing this for eight years now like i i am extremely aware of you know I'm, I'm still extremely indie and so yeah i probably just heard it from somebody else who's in the same situation and was like oh yeah there's this going on and i'm like oh if it gets accepted, twenty bucks, huh? That's yeah. that's food for a week for me. Right. So yeah, that's my hope. It's like twenty <laughs> bucks for people to not do anything. People should submit. That's yeah. good. And um, I mean, the game was done at that point, yeah. so I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That's. I mean, that's really my intention. I don't. Aside from our new hotly minted commissioned games, mm-hmm. one being an in, fun guy fantasy and indie apocalypse, fun guy fantasy four, six. My fuck, I forgot which order it is. Anyway is available in Indiepocalypse issue 13. Hey, we got commission games now because I was like, gamers love exclusives. Mm-hmm. I guess. And it's, I'm like, I hope it brings more money. And it doesn't yet, but because it costs right. more money. <laughs> but I have a question here from a previous guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And that is, what are some of the most noteworthy things you've made by accident? Could be a bug in your game. Could be mashed potatoes in the, in the exact shape of Mount Rushmore. Hmm. Thing I made by accident. Um, that's tough. I, I would say that there's at least one point with that game because the original prototype, I was just trying to see like how totally messed up I could make an RPG. And so I was fooling around with the plugin. And it showed like maximum number of battle characters you could have at one time. I was like, okay, well, what, does it does it do triple digits? Like, <laughs> let me let me see how many it goes. And then it shows them like trailing off the screen, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a game here. Like, um, does it do triple digits? Um, it does do triple digits, but I decided to keep it a little yeah. lower to be safe, so I kept it just like at the double digits okay. at ninety nine. Does so it, that was funny enough for me. Does it go to the classic 255? 
Um, I don't know. I just, I pushed it up to a hundred and actually I technically I did 106 cause I wanted like a couple of summoning type characters, okay. but then I decided like that was just yeah. too much of a hassle to implement correctly. So, um, yeah. Why not go up to 108 and do what those cowards over at Konami were always afraid to do a Suikoden? Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, I've, I've gotten some interesting comparisons for my games because people will be like, oh, is this like, you know, Fire Emblem where you recruit all these or like Suikoden? And I'm like, I don't play any of those games, like, it, which is somewhat ironic because I'll hear about all these comparisons. I'm like, yeah. no, that's like, if anything, people are like, oh, is this like Chrono Cross? I'm like, Kind of actually, yeah, because you do do a lot of recruiting and figuring out what all of these characters even do. Yeah, that um, so many are so random. Right, they do. But yeah, they they all have their own like very specific, like weird little like niche things that they do. Yeah, and of course the just the variety. Like you know, you don't just get warriors in the party. You also get like the town blacksmith and an ex pirate, and you know, you're you're girlfriend who just uses a frying pan in battle like yeah yeah great much like chrono cross even yeah well i mean that's what i was meaning but like in <laughs> that, my game there's still like yeah you still talk to like a merchant and recruit them and the alchemist and all sorts of things yeah yeah you just kind of basically you walk around the beginning of your jrpg town and just add everyone to your party yeah it's it's great. Um, I, I did get a lot of feedback early on, like, can you make this easier to do? So that's when I added in, like, an item to just get past that part quickly for the people that didn't care about the interactions. But then, you know, some people actually still enjoyed the writing. So I was like, good, it was worth my time to spend, like, a month figuring out all these interactions with characters. Yeah, yeah. How, like, how long does it take to make a bunch of character portraits and then make them give them all names and how how much personality do each of these characters have yeah i i did i did so much i have like just the worst looking um i i have the spreadsheet is called abomination because yes. that's what it is like i open it up and there's like 30 tabs and there's just all these different assortments of things because there's all the skills there's all the characters, all the character relationships with other characters. Um, oh my gosh, like it, it's so much. And there's not like a ton of character interaction all the time. Yeah. Like you're not going to really get the full scope of everything. Um, but if you sit there and look at stuff, you'll understand, oh, okay, in this cutscene, these characters interacted. And now I'm realizing, oh, this character actually follows up on this other one's skills when they use them. Like, certain characters have passives that interact with what other characters do um because that's what i wanted to do was not just you know the complete nonsense that is go ahead and try to play this game just yeah. try it but also um having those sorts of interactions and how it the gameplay aspect affects the narrative and vice versa you know yes speaking of questions like gameplay aspects and <laughs> In, interact with the narrative what is your writing process for the from morgana mystery corgi <laughs> what is your writing process for narrative aspects of your games how do you balance explicit storytelling with storytelling via game mechanics oh of course okay i know morgana personally like in real life so okay. that's amusing um because she would know very well how this is um well but I, oh, I don't know you gotta tell me damien <laughs> yeah i know i know um it's I, I sit there and I just do a lot of writing. Like I, I first first I 
you know, sort out the different characters. Um, then I sit there and do um, like the branching, like, okay, what characters do I want to have involved with each other at all? Um, then I have where I sit down and actually try to do like, um, you know, the character art for everybody. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, related characters should look related, at least in some regard. Right. That's why, you know, um, Josephine, the main character, she has mixed colored skin, whereas, you know, her mom is white and her dad's black. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, a few different other characters, um, like the knight Ebba, who's the mom of one family, and then the dad doesn't look too much different, and then their son looks like a cross between the two of them. Um, so it's a lot of like sitting there and making sure like, okay, does this all match up? And then also going back through and going, okay, do I have enough actual variety in characters? Yeah. Making sure like, do I have enough skin tone variations? Because that's, you know, something that I personally hate in RPGs is how often it's like, everybody's white. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not how this works. Like, yeah. That's um, that's every including newest RPG from yeah yeah that's um, also character ages are very important to me too so yeah. I'll sit there and figure out like how old are these characters because so many of them I want them to be like experienced veteran characters and yeah. I hate the trope of like the six year old it's like oh she's a genius at magic and will help you save the world it's like she's a literal kid that does not know the horrors of war let her stay home like we so you don't need to be having that. So not another RPG party of fifteen-year-olds. No, no. Like you, you have, um, you you have the youngest characters ten years old because it's Livius the cat. Like he's yeah. just literally a well-trained cat. Um, then the next youngest is Josephine at eighteen years old because you know typical right. RPG prophecy bullshit. Right. You need to um, go off in your journey at a young age. You're the yeah, age. and then right. And then, um, like, her parents are in their 40s. You've got a couple characters that are friends with Josephine who are, like, you know, early 20s. Um, you've got, like, a couple 80-year-olds and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just complete nonsense. And so I had to make sure there was at least, like, variety because um, in a game, especially when it has this many characters, there's no excuse to not have diversity. Right. So. Yeah. And, yeah. It's it's a weird tendency I have when I play just like tabletop role playing games where I make all of my characters young because they have to they're supposed to be inexperienced and it's like wait a minute there's mm -hmm. no reason that they have to be but I'm like in my brain they're level one and they have to have right. like well yeah. of course that's why they're bad at things or they're just like have some other reason why they're just like can't be. I, it's weird to make a seasoned badass and then your seasoned badass is like, I have two hit points and I'm level one. Right. But I'm very and also, cool. Mm -hmm. And also it makes sense with, um, to start off as playing a character like that, partly because, you know, there's the whole, um, you know, coming of age sort of thing yeah. that that sort of entails, you know, they have to come from a place of inexperience and grow as a person. And it's a great method to do that is just having them start off young. Like I understand having young protagonists that are inexperienced, right. but then you can't have everybody that joins be like super young. And then the obligatory, Oh yeah. And now we have like the old wise character who's like 35 and it's like, <laughs> okay, come on. Like, Grizzly, right. 
my yeah. grizzled 25 year old veteran yeah like i just i i can't accept that so that's like, i'm, I'm you know, captain sexism and right right and like sexism and racism are absolutely rampant in just games in general but there's also ages in which i try to also yeah you know include things about and put towards that yeah there's right and not everyone i it's a weird it's something you see a lot if like when i watch older movies I'm like wow older movies used to just start old dudes mm -hmm. all the time right just like what's with all these old men who are just like not you know by modern standards camera ready old men <laughs> but speaking of other games what game uh -oh. development from sean that is triple a or indie are you most looking forward to um Diablo 2 Remastered, I, I forget already what they exactly called it, but it's basically Diablo 2 Remastered, Yeah. Um, was just announced yesterday. And that seems, in, I'm, I'm interested. Okay. I'm not super sold on it just because, um, you know, Blizzard and right. the stuff that they've been up to. And I, can, um, and I can just like play my copy of Diablo 2 I already have, and I do sometimes. Right, right. Um, so I'm curious to see how it's going to go. Um, if it turns out to, if, if people are like, oh yeah, this is absolutely a return to form then I'm yeah. like, great. Um, then I'm absolutely down for that. Um, I don't have a strong laptop or any consoles or anything though. So I just, outside of that, it's like, I'm looking forward to whatever stuff I actually managed to finish. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's it's a dull life, but it's a good one. Yeah. I had a weird experience. When I was thinking of, like, I played a lot of Diablo 2. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of Diablo 2. No, I, I right there with you. And when I played Diablo 3, I'm like, what is missing here? It's fun to play. And it that the game doesn't end. Mm -hmm. That there's no way to win Diablo 3. There's like no mm -hmm. end goal. And so it's like, oh, games as a service are for people and I'm just not that person. Yeah, like Diablo 3, I've absolutely sunk. I've, I've probably sunk more time into Diablo 3 at this point just yeah. because as an adult who has a their own you know computer right. that can dictate my own time. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely something about Diablo 2 I prefer more. I'm like, what exactly is it? And I think it's really just like with Diablo 3, they made it where you can select your skills and change your build on the fly. Whereas before it's, you know, you, you have very specific build paths that you want to go down and really cool individual stuff that you can do with characters. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, it's, it's so geared towards the um, almost sort of online competitive scene because you have the new season starts and people are competing to get to the top of the leaderboards on greater rifts and that sort of thing. And I mean, you still have that sort of with Diablo two with, or with new right seasons ladder. and yeah, you've got the ladder. That's always been a thing, especially like hardcore and PVP in that game was actually existent. Yeah. Um, whereas Diablo three, they had like, well, you can go into PVP, but everybody does so much damage that you die instantly. Right. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's definitely stuff that they did differently with Diablo three and I'm glad they explored it, but I'm, 
I'm hoping also that Diablo 4 is more like Diablo 2. Greater Rifts are cool, and I do like, you know, the sort of easy farming thing. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see, like, an actual core experience expanded on. Right. And focused down on. I will admit freely here on this radio show that I was I scammed people in Diablo 2 as a, as a young teen <laughs> where there was a thing you could do where you would say, oh, I want to trade you this. You have to fill up your inventory in this way and get naked, and then I kill you, and you'll get like a Stone of Jordan or something. Right. And really all it did was drop all their inventory, and I would take it and leave the game. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked more times than I'm proud to admit. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, first off, that's just a classic. Um, but secondly, yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's the sort of thing where it's like, you're really going to believe that? Like, game FAQs still existed at that time. Like, you could have like just checked. <laughs> I feel like I got, like, that from game FAQs or something like that. <laughs> I didn't invent that. I, how was I supposed mm -hmm. to know it would work like that? But someone I saw somewhere had to do that, and then I did it, and it worked. Mm -hmm. did you do what was your what's your favorite diablo 2 mule location if you need to drop something off um i actually never liked dropping stuff like it's, it's the sort of reason that like i can't play those sorts of games like even borderlands 2 and stuff i try to play it with friends but most of them i can't because like as soon as my inventory is full i'm like i gotta go back and sell some stuff yeah like i don't drop anything i go back I sell it and then I come back and we start doing stuff again. Okay. And like you, you don't need to keep picking everything up. I'm like, no, I need to. Yeah. Um, just before the pandemic, um, I was actually starting to play at a friend's house, Borderlands Three, but my friend and I already had a discussion ahead of time, and she was like, "Hey, this is how I play," and I'm like, "Actually, that's also fine with me." So, which there, there was like a half hour, we really just combing an area like splitting up and like full clearing the area of all these like garbage white items that are getting us like 17 bucks a piece. It's like, no, this, we don't drop a thing. We fully clear everywhere. So um, once we're actually able to hang out again, uh, it's, it's still going to take us like two years to get through the main stuff in that game. Yeah. I, I but, can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't let, I, I'm, I just can't let anything go like that. I have to pick everything up and go through this repeatedly. And have to get all the... It's such a, such a low investment. Yeah. <laughs> such Or such a high investment for such a low reward. Right, right. I mean, that's... I suppose I that games. is game development, is it not? <laughs> and that's it's why all... I make RPG Maker games that yes. people pay a couple dollars for. Right. You make RPG and Maker then games that aren't like white. <laughs> Damon, is your is it your dream one day to make an RPG maker game that people falsely equate to you made Nikki? I've had games compared. I had one of my games compared to to the moon once. Okay. Um, and I've had people. I've I've done art for a couple of my games, like uh, Labyrinth of Wild Abyss, yeah. actually, because I have like all these. It was it was my sort of take on a weird horror, um, where instead of like the typical jump scares and stuff that you see lately, it's more like just paranoia that I was going for. Yeah. 
um, and just subtle creepiness the entire time. And people did make those sorts of comparisons to uh, Yuminiki. I'm like, well, okay, like, I, I kind of don't like when people compare my games to other games. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. It doesn't, like, actually right. upset me or anything. But um, I just, I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I'm not trying to do stuff that looks like anybody else's. When somebody says, I have not seen anything like this, and this is exactly what I was looking for, then I'm like, oh, that's, I'm on cloud nine. Like, that's going to get me through the whole day today. Right. Um, I mean, you are arguably you trade in that that you've, you've created almost like your own sub genre to some extent. Yeah. I, I definitely, I have a niche that I cater to where I have like 10 fans that are ad- adamantly like into what I'm making. And right. I'm like, that's wild, but that's also really cool. Right. Like it's, it's just the sort of thing that like 10 years ago, if I would have been like, yeah, you'll have fans. It's like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what will but I be doing? Get, I'll be making RPG maker games that hate you. Yeah, like it's it's I make games that objectively are like, why would you actually go through this? And then people still manage to go through it. I've I've had um with my last bigger game, um, it's six random characters in a single floor yes. dungeon. That's the whole game. Um, a couple people tried speed running that game, which yeah. was just wild to me. Um, I, think, I, I never would have thought of it. Um, I think I saw even, someone doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's there were a couple people that were going around. It was really cool, um, and I'm I'm like super grateful for that. But it's also just that sort of like I can't believe that the weird things that I make. There's actually people that have this sort of interest in it because yeah. really just it matters to me to make it. And then after that, I kind of just put it out to the wild and see what happens. But when people actually like it, it's like, oh, okay, that's not what I expected. <laughs> really, I think I think that's just the secret to like indie shit that I like is that you can't like hope for. I, I people can't hope to be like super successful, and I think mm-hmm. it's better off to try and find a way to support the people who are making niche stuff. Right, mm-hmm. it's you'll never, you'll never get everyone making the big bucks, but yeah, I mean, I I absolutely can't make like yeah. a Diablo like and compete compete with Blizzard, you right. know, like that's just literally never going to happen. Yeah, but I bet there's, um, there's probably like ten more, or even like a hundred, or like a, like you know, even like a couple thousand dedicated people who would be into the very specific styles of games that you make, but. Mm-hmm. Like the support, like the indie support group just like isn't there for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's also the sort of, you know, if there's an established genre of a game, there's going to be fans of that. But what I make, there's no real established genre of. Right. Which the penalty of that is, okay, well, I don't have an immediate fan base that I can like talk to on a subreddit or whatever and yeah. get them talking about it. But the good thing is that if... I continue to push my games and stuff, there will be people who see the games and organically go, oh, okay, this actually looks interesting. And then they see the rest of my stuff. And then they're like, oh, okay, there's like stuff here. And so I have fans of my stuff who kind of don't care about too many, like they're they're not, there's there's certainly people who play games, but they are people who don't have anybody else giving the service. Right. And so... 
if I'm the only person providing it, it's like, okay, well, at least they know like instantly if I talk about, oh, I'm going to be releasing this at some point, even though my release dates, I never fucking hit. Um, sure, sure. But I will be releasing this at some point. Then they know to watch for it. Then they know to tell other people about it. And that's the sort of marketing help that I need when yeah. you've got a budget of nothing. Right. Um, when you've got, when you're probably, when you were running like a negative budget. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean the first three years I was homeless and then I was at a friend's place for a couple of years. Um, they got really into some stuff and I left there and I was homeless yeah. for another year. Um, so it, I, I was homeless for about four years while I've been making games the past eight. So I'm very used to having no budget. And the past couple of years, it's been interesting, like actually getting a little traction, you know, like I had a, a game jam that I used to run called, I wasn't going to make this anyway jam. Right. Um, where it's making a fake game. You know, you make like a instruction booklet or a strategy guide or whatever, yeah, but yeah. you don't actually make a game. Um, I ran that for two years and then this last year, I was like, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm busy trying to get this other thing out. Yeah. And then somebody in France who participated in it a previous year was like, oh, I'll run it then. And so he just started running it and he told me and I was like, oh, OK, so somebody cares, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was huge. Um, I think there was and a then, lot you know, more there was people the, that care than there seems yeah, to be. Yeah, it's it's wild to me. I'm, it's it's the sort of thing that like it it doesn't have like a daily impact but when i remember and i like see everything it hits me and i'm like okay so there is something that i'm doing right here so i just need to keep going yeah um so yeah i'm super grateful for that i think it's a very slow long process but i think yeah it's like people are approaching it and people it's like it's getting there it's getting somewhere where i think people are it's you know the the second the fracture from AAA to indie, there's going to be, you know, the second indie fracture to indie and in, indie or, or unmarketable indie or just like right, right. whatever you want. Trash to call games it. and alt games and that sort right. of thing. That whole unknowable genre. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. Sp speaking of things that you were working on and too busy to work on a jam, was that not, was that the bundle you were working on? Um, yes, actually that? at that time that was, that was the, um, shorter games with worse graphics bundle. Yes. Um, did quite well. It, it did. Okay. It did way better than I was expecting. Like the first goal that we, okay. So first, um, I'm going to try and get through this quick cause I know we're running short on my second yes, time. We are. Um, good, good watching the call. So there. yeah. Um, so the thing about that was, you know, stuff was going around about cyberpunk. I was like, okay, you know, actually it would be yeah. good to talk to people about this because people are like, oh, there should be something about this. And I saw that there were actual cyberpunk game bundles that were going around on itch. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, the, I'll do Nate something. So I did that cyberpunk right. bundle. They got a little mm -hmm. traction as well. Yeah. And so I posted, I, I got together like a jam page and said, okay, people can submit here and then we'll talk later. And so I put up a jam page um, somebody that I know who helps with IndieCade kind of pushed a few people to also submit. Okay. And so I ended up getting like a bunch of submissions and almost all of them were complete gold. Yeah. Um, there were like two or three that I had to cut out at the end, but yeah. I mean, that's... 25 different developers, 32 different games. We expected 
I, I said outright, like, we should be able to get a grand. And even a few of the developers were skeptical about that. Yeah. Um, posted the link 24 hours beforehand, posted the link again, like, once it was actually live and everything. Um, it made over 1500 the first day. And I was like, oh, okay, we've got something here. Right, yeah. Um, and by the end of it, made over eight grand. So split up between everybody, that was over 300 bucks. And we have a few developers, and very global bundle. We had people in Germany, Russia, uh, Brazil. Oh, yeah, and yeah. a few of the developers were, you know, that much money is them getting paid minimum wage for a month. Yeah. So very impactful. Like for me, that's, you know, a month and a half of groceries for them it's a month of pay so yeah no it was fantastic yeah there's people getting paid and people are more increasingly more willing to get paid and pay people we're gonna stop trading around that one bitsy dollar we're gonna start trading around five bitsy dollars <laughs> and with that i have to ask damien how many how many <laughs> what is on the front of a bitsy dollar you think oh i i wouldn't even know where you, put like, the, where you put the little president's head. I don't know. I'm, I'm drawing a blank now just because, like, I was... After I get done with, like, a rant, then I'm kind of just, like, in that sort of mental fog where I'm like, oh, I just said a bunch of words there, didn't I? Yes, and um, then, I, then I hit you with a <laughs> random position, and you're like... Yeah, I wasn't ready. Um, the correct answer is it would know. be the cat. And with that, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. We're going to go on break and mm -hmm. we'll be back in some amount of time. You know, like two minutes, 42 seconds, give or take. Goodbye. Bye. Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. We are back from our mandatory government issued ska break, and we are here with Stephen. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm still doing good. Still good. I'm actually all pumped up on horns and ska at the moment. Um, nice. So, Stephen, tell me. I think I didn't think I know the answer to this question. How did you hear about Indie Apocalypse? Uh, it's actually from uh, from Mike, who's currently in the chat right now. Uh, Mike Glamorous. Uh, Supporter the... of the Apocalypse. Huh? I was saying long time, yeah. long yeah, time yeah, yeah. supporter of Indie Apocalypse. It's, it's support of everybody. Anyone out there who's listening to this right now, Mike supports you. He believes in you. And I, I believe in him. So, uh, yeah, we together, we uh, put together uh, locally sourced a little, little collective of... Uh, Michigan-based indie devs, and yeah. uh, I know he's taking scene. a lot of inspiration from uh, what you do with Indiepocalypse for our own stuff. Yeah, I have seen. I'm I'm very happy when people even like. I'm very happy the success of people who are mildly adjacent to me. And I'm like, ah, yes, I'm so glad to see people succeed. It makes me feel good. Even like clicking on my feed and seeing that games that were in the Indiepocalypse like now cost one dollar. It's like, hmm, yes, good. You should charge money for games. Hmm. Yeah. So you were, but what were you doing earlier today? Were you busy earlier today with, say, an important game project or anything? Yeah, today is actually um we're in, currently in the middle of our uh, GLGX, the uh, the Great Lakes Game Expo. It's a uh, it's an online convention we put together. Um, Good guess on my so part. <laughs> right now, uh, I think this I think it's like the last speaker of the night will be going up in 
half an hour to some, I think. Um, but we have we have more speakers tomorrow just talking about uh, the art, business, and science of making games. Now, does that have a website I can go to or a Twitch handle or something to that effect? Yeah, uh, you can find it all at uh, glgx.dev. Perfect. Support your local scene and other people's local scenes. Um, yeah, I did one recently at like the the Boston Festival of Indie Games. They used, I think it's called Home or mm -hmm. no Wander or Town or. Yeah, I, I know. I know. What you're I can't. It's, it's something like that. I can't remember. It's like it's, um, it's like a 2D game that you walk around in and talk to. Yeah, people. it's like if you made your, your virtual convention into an RPG maker kind of kind of yeah. thing. Uh, that was cool. I think we looked into that. There's like some cost to it though that we didn't really like. Yes. We're trying to work out where like it was a cost per user, and we didn't know quite how that was fronted. Like if you if you just pay up front or whatever, or if everyone who enters has to pay or something. I don't know. Was, so yeah. we, we may consider that for future things, but for this time, we just stuck with the the tools we know, so just Discord and Twitch. Yeah. So and is have you done this in the past, or is this like the first iteration of GLGX? Uh, this is our first one. Um, okay. We it was originally like uh, an idea we we're trying to get going um, yeah. last year as like a uh, in person convention around the time when um, when COVID was still kind of like an uncertainty. Uh, right. When people were still laughing, oh, GDC's canceled, but well, other stuff will go on, I'm sure. Yeah, and so we're trying to do something small, like I don't know, either affiliate with like a a local school or whatever to have some space to go to. But uh, then when things did shut down, we kind of scrapped that. We thought for a second about doing some sort of online thing, but we also didn't know um, how long things would be shut down. So it was kind of like yeah. put on hold. Like, let's see if like in you know three months or whatever. Uh, and here we are one year later. Here we are. Yeah. Um, living the dream. But some dreams aren't, aren't good dreams. Some dreams are very bad dreams and you don't wake up from them. Right. Uh, a nightmare is still a dream, just a bad one. A nightmare is still, yeah, do you cross-stitch that? Why don't you? But you won't. Um, <laughs> I'll put that on Pinterest, all right. Uh, but so, so, yeah, we put together this year, and um, it's, it's it's been pretty good, honestly. Like, it's, at least as far as, like, setting the foundation for uh, future things, this is something that, you know, we would like to be able to do as an annual uh, thing, at least. Yeah. Um, ideally with some sort of in-person component next time. Uh, even if Shub's, like, a, a small space where we can house, like, game demos um and then do like talks and stuff still online because this kind of thing is we're trying to uh the same thing with like locally sourced trying to represent you know an, an entire state across two peninsulas uh great lakes game expo is trying to represent like several more states across a much wider area so it's we we'll probably still have a, a an online component to it yeah. regardless if we have it in person now does that fall now does does that fall into like does that cover ohio are you stepping on gdex's toes at this point I think we're still pretty um, separate from because GDX. The one thing with GDX is it is more of a uh, a public facing kind of yeah. event, whereas the, oh, okay. the, the idea is still focused more on like the the creators. Uh, it oh. is open to anyone, but like yeah. like the talks are are all like you know uh, uh, creator focused, the kind of things you would see at like a, a GDC or an industry event. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, where, I, I do I do love GDX, but uh, it, yeah, the vibe for GDX is, is I think it's different from what we're going for. Boston has split that up into two. It used to be one event, and then they split up into two events, where it's like a talk event and then like a public event. Where used to yeah, be and that could be like if we do a live thing, that could be a um, a cool way to go about it. Is like have our, our uh, public available space where it is set up, kind of like yeah, just here's all the game demos and stuff you'd care about, and like some cool swag or whatever they can buy, and then. 
the the talks, which would be more, you know, for uh, the smaller subset people who actually do want to make games or learn about making games at least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you need to do that in order to like a big thing, but in, in within some people I know within that the Boston scene is like keeping people in the city and not just making sure everybody flees to like California. You know. Right. That, I mean, that is. Uh, that, that's kind of like the root of like everything we're doing between locally sourced and GLGX is to like let people know that um, there are other creators around here. Like you, yeah. you may not know about them because you know they don't. Yeah, they don't have. We don't have an E3. We don't have like we we don't paint our murals on the sides of skyscrapers to advertise our new games or whatever. But like, the, there probably are some game devs in your backyard. Like if you know if if you're within like uh, if you're in any distance of a college, there's some kids there who are trying to make some games. Right. Like it's happening. So like, uh, your neighbor and could be a game developer. You never know. Report them to the authorities at once. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That I, I, I wish that yeah, game deck could be somehow kind of punk in that sense, but it's 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 not. But that's fine too. I don't know. Have you have you considered that as your poster, just a looming figure, and your neighbor could be a game dev? I mean, that is um, yeah, I, I, Slack. That that has been my Steam icon since the uh, yeah, since the beginning of when I created my Steam account like ten years ago or whatever. It was like the he's watching you poster. Oh, okay, good one. But it's a it's a classic iconography. But um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't even realize um, uh, until fairly recently how many people there were, you know, in Michigan who uh, who were into game dev. Like, prior to uh, joining the uh, game dev MI Discord and yeah. me and all the folks from all around, like, I, I had no clue. So, uh, you, I'm just thinking about like an... how. No, go ahead. No. I was gonna say, do you have an IGDA chapter? Uh, we do technically. Yeah, uh, we're not super closely <laughs> affiliated with them. I was gonna say. We do technically um, sounds like a lot of IGDA chapters. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I I don't know how deep we want to get into here, but like, I, I, IGDA as far as like making yourself seem more official, I see some benefit there. But then like, whenever they have any kind of public stance on things, it's always like the wrong stance. <laughs> uh, if they have the choice to choose between owners and workers, they side with owners every time. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, you guys, come on, you don't need a, a union. You can have a more friendly way. Don't be so combative. Let's just all work together. It's like, right. no, nah, we, we didn't start. The workers never start the combativeness. You know, yeah. they, like, we can't. We can't be the ones who, like, create the conflict. If if everything was going fine, it'd be going fine. But, like, it's I, you know, I, it's I, not on us to decide. I never quite understand what the IG, Sometimes the IGDA just seems like one person in the state is like, I guess I'm the IGDA here. How are you doing? I don't know. It seems loose. Yeah. I, I'm an indie who has no affiliation with anything and no employees, so I don't give a shit about the IGDA. Yeah, so, I, we, we, so yeah, we do take a half one, uh, and we did have, like, meetups. Uh, yeah. we, we do have a interview series that we do um, regularly run by uh, Mars Ashton. From, uh, uh, yes, I know Mars Ashton lightly as a former contributor. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a good guy. He's basically the one who got me into the scene way back when, when he gave me a ride up to Grand Rapids to go see a panel featuring um, the Finji Co. folks and some other game devs. And that okay. was like the first time I met him. And yeah, he's, he's a good guy. I should Every, have... Everyone go go make friends with Mars. I should have him on the show. Oh, yeah, he, dude, he'd be a great guest. Yeah, he's a contributor. This I mean, not as, good, not as good as me. But like he's still. Are you still, sure? Are you sure? Because I will hold you to that. I will. He he he's at least like a tier, I would suppose. Okay. Well, now I have to slowly judge you through this entire time, and I have to create a rubric. I mean, 
I, I've been judging all y'all, so it's, I guess it's only fair, you know? Fuck. Speaking of yeah. judging and, and judging things, what, in your judgment, is the game develop game and development you're most looking forward to? Uh, Bayonetta 3. Okay. Because I, I love Bayonetta. That's like that my, my dream game to make would be an over-the-top, crazy, big-budget uh, 3D character action game like that. Um, and they've revealed so far... Uh, basically nothing of the game except that it's going to exist. So okay. like it, it's still so mysterious and like I don't know. It, so it, it I, could be anything. I would consider that to be in development then. If you know It is in development. They did say, yeah, they were like Bayonetta 3 is gonna happen and here's the logo. It's Bayonetta the the number three next year. It's like, all right, I'm I, that's all I needed. Speaking and speaking of game development and larger studios, I have a question from a previous episode's guest, and that is What's your hottest take about AAA video games? Uh, my hottest man, I, 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 I'll never be a true, um, a true game design guru, rock star, ninja because I don't really do like hot take. I don't have any like uh, actually any game that uses more than two buttons is too complicated or you know yeah. stuff like that. But like, uh, I don't much care for The Witcher Three. I did not like that game. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that sounds like a hot take. I, just, I mean, I think CD Projekt has lost some cachet in recent months. Yeah. I, I would say but that's for, still a hot take. I'll allow it. All right. Well, yeah, it's, it's just because... So, <laughs> I, I like the characters and the world. Those are cool. But the game is, at its core, it's about combat. It's about fighting. Thing. You know, every system in that game loops back into the combat. Yeah. Like, you, you gain upgrades for combat. Uh, you have all these spells mostly used for combat. But then the combat does not... It doesn't feel very interesting. Like, I would... I would dread the times when I had to fight things. I would love conversations. I would love riding my horse across the countryside. I would hate the moment I have to like, and I just, I attribute it largely to um, how abstracted out the input is, which I enjoy in games like uh, Spider-Man's or your, your Batman's. Uh, And, but seeing the Witcher like flip around to do all these things just because I press like two buttons, it doesn't, I want a, a greater level of control. You know, I would love it if The Witcher had a combat system that was more like a, a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry, where like every button press has like a specific purpose, and I have to think about which ones I'm going to do. And it's not just like, yeah, I press dodge at the right time, I press the control stick towards that guy, I press attack, the dude leaps across the distance to attack him. Like, or and I think the reason why it works in Batman's and Spider-Man's is because you have the mobility. Like yeah. if you if you took Spider Man and Batman, and you removed all the mobility tools, and it's just beating people up. Those games would be terrible. But the fact that you can like you can swing across a web, then you can run off a wall, then you can like grab a guy to you and kick him across there, and like that's what makes it good. Whereas with The Witcher, like you don't get those things. You get a few combat tricks, but largely it's just a matter of you know um, a matter of observing and reacting. And I, it's a cliche, but it never made me feel like The Witcher. You know, I, I feel oh. like a guy who's telling The Witcher what to do, and then he does it. Did The Witcher 3 still have sex cards in it? Um, I probably. I didn't, I didn't. I honestly didn't play enough to get to that if they did. Um, I played maybe... No, no. Oh, yeah. The one thing that actually broke it for me, because I, I like card games, like card game, yeah. any of the card base, I'll play it. So oh. I spent a lot of time with the, the with Gwent uh, game. I've, and, I've played a little bit of Gwent, and I was like, not for me. I really liked it. It had such a different pacing from a lot of other card games. It was very, like, I, I don't know, just the, the fact that um, the, the, the three-round structure with a limited hand yeah. mechanic, like, 
you had to really pace yourself and actually uh, try to try to it had almost like a a poker type feel to it where it's like you know when you can like push your luck in a certain area or when you should be more conservative with your play um but there's one part where there's a little party like a little like instanced uh story scenario and there's one dude where you can beat him to get some gwent cards yeah uh but if you leave the party like once you're at the mission you can't go find that dude again he's just gone so like you could just not have those cards and i was so bummed because my deck wasn't good enough to beat him so i was like <laughs> I, if, if I if I was a perfectionist collector type, I just can't do it. And then I was like, you know what? I was already looking for an excuse to stop playing this game, and that that can be it, I guess. And then they just made that standalone per- version of it, which is actually pretty good. It was, that, that game, it was pretty fun. I didn't get. I don't think I want to play the beta. I never dropped any cash on it. Yeah, but um, but still a good game. I've I've bounced around different card games for a while until they released Magic the Gathering, and then I've settled in my cozy little home, and I will never leave. Mm-mm. Yeah, but like I, you know, I always have to segue it into card game and everything I do. It's gonna eventually come back to card game talk yeah. a little bit. Dude, they have so much cool stuff at, at BlizzCon for Hearthstone now, and I'm so excited for it all. And like, yeah, man, it, it's I don't know. It's just weird that this game that's been around now for over six years can still have things where I'm like, oh, I'm so hyped for this. This is do man. They, do they have instant speed cards yet? Uh, no. And honestly, that's my like. I, I like Magic the Gathering Arena, but like that is one thing that I've had games where I just quit because I don't want to go through all the triggers. You know, uh-huh. like I've I've had games where it's like whenever, yeah, okay, whenever a, a creature enters the battlefield, do X, and then like, hey, return all of your creatures from the graveyard to the battle. It's like, no, I'm not gonna wait to see twelve react like reactions that cause like other. No, and I'm done. I, I don't I, know what like. I'm a real fucking trigger junkie. I love. I love being able to. I love that full pause button is what I want from a card game. Mm. You never know when I'm going to do something. Love the mind games of it, and like I kind of played Hearthstone for a while, and then I just well, and I think that's great for paper. Like for yeah. paper, when you, when you can like yes. just hold the hand, like wait, stop, that's good because like yeah. you have that. Like if we had an actual like a totally immersive VR experience where I'm sitting across the table from you, you can read every body reaction, so I don't need to press like okay go ahead after you do everything yeah and you can like just judge by my posture like oh he didn't try to stop me so i guess i'm gonna continue like that that would be ideal but until we have that like i'll i just can't handle uh games that involve that much uh breaking into other people's interactions like that yeah they they, i mean they literally banned a card only on digital because it was taking too long (laughs) it took up too much time (laughs) on the dev side of things for magic the arena like it, it's amazing now that since they've committed to like every game added to the card game now will also be represented digitally like i'm just thinking about what that would feel like as a developer to have that like blank check now written for you where like this other group of game designers now get to decide like what we have to implement in our engine yeah. like that that'd be so because for a while uh in some of the older versions um i remember when they yeah when they, they called like duels or whatever uh they had all the cards except for the one eldrazi the way you could take your opponent's turn because, yeah. like, they just didn't have that in the engine. They didn't want to implement that in the engine. So, okay, okay, fine. We just won't have the ability to take someone's turn. But now if they do that again, it has to be in the digital yes, game. They have I, to implement it. Like, I, that's why, honestly, that's why I love Magic. Because it's a broken mess. And it's, everything interacts, in, like, messed up ways. And I like it as, like, a... It feels... It doesn't feel clean. And that's kind of what I like about it. I, mean, I think that's the amazing thing about like any any legacy game now yeah. that has to go on for so long. Like, you see similar things in like 
um, any long running MOBA, even in like battle royales now where they have to have like a, they have to, you know, redesign the entire game, like every three months or so. Um, and it just like, it, it, it's, it's weird to think about that. Like the games that you enjoy now just stop existing eventually, but they yeah. still, there's still a game with the same name. There's still a game that'll be called League of Legends five years from now. There's still a game called Fortnite, but yeah. like, you'll look at them and like, this isn't Fortnite or League of Legends. This isn't, this isn't the game. Yeah. There was a and time it, when characters had like passive skills and yeah. Right. It's like, wait, wait, why, wait, when did they add like an underground layer to the fuck, to the, the league map? Like why is there, there, there'd be some crazy thing like that. Like, wait, there's like teleporters. What? Like, I don't know. Just yeah. The, yeah. And anything could happen on a lot of timeline. And like code changes, and then it's like, wait a minute. Well, now we can do way, way more stuff that we couldn't do before. And now we're gonna do all this cool stuff. And then our old characters, I can shoot something in a straight line, and then I can shoot a second thing in a straight line, but a shorter straight Which, line. Which, like, that, that's why I, it's, I think now that's probably like the biggest um, disconnect in like game structures between like indie titles and AAA titles. It's like an indie title, you're like usually just like you're aiming to get something done yeah. and like get it out there and then maybe people can like buy it. But like you, you don't design things with in mind and like, okay. And then like a year from now, I'll be doing season two of this game. Right. And like, this is all like, no, it's like a year from now, I'll be trying to figure out what to do next. Like right. that's, that's the same. You're not designing a game to be someone's only game they ever play. And I, I think that's the thing a lot of bigger developers learn is that like, even with the, the size you're at, you still can't, do that you know we've seen like anthem we've seen a lot of things where it's like people already if, if people want to play destiny they already got it like it's yeah. already there right like there's nothing you can do quality wise that'll be able to supplant it because it's already what they play it's not even a matter of like quality it's a matter of like they have the community they have the friends who are right. in it you know like you you can't make a, a league killer because league is just is what it is right and why you just have you... to accept that yeah it's like well i can just already play like why would i kill league when i just keep playing league i don't or just or if i'm really i'm tired just take a break and i'll come yeah. back three months from now and it'll be different so like maybe it'll be better i don't know like, like that's yeah i mean i guess yours has jim rayner in it but <laughs> how much dude here's the storm was pretty cool i did like, like it, that it was all yeah I, i'll admit i did play it and it's like it was kind of neat that was like it was a real brawly like kind of game I liked the the extent they went to like doing weird gimmick characters that yeah. you wouldn't see in other games. Like, um, shoot, the the ones are a guy who like just makes creeps and like buffs yes. up people and stuff. Like that's that exactly was like I was thinking, yes. that's a character that like I don't think they're ever gonna do in League. But I mean, maybe I, once again a long timeline. Once they're hitting like two hundred characters or whatever, maybe right. anything's possible. But... They'll have to do something. They'll run out of people. They'll run out of people. They'll eventually have an evoker or something. Yeah. Damon was Abith or Abithers was uh, Damien's favorite, so that's cool. My, I I don't know who I, I can't even remember who I really played a lot of. I don't think I played enough to really have a main. Like I I, I kind of like I don't know. I I'm not good at like sticking with the game. I don't think I'm good at any games that I haven't made myself. Oh, okay. Um, so speaking of games you've but, made yourself, as we're <laughs> well, what games have you made yourself? Um. So. I was like a bunch of game jam stuff, but um, under the the Flyover Games label, uh, my first game was Knife That Guy. Okay. Uh, you can't find it anymore because I didn't keep it up to date on the mobile stores because I'm not ah, going to pay a hundred dollars a year to keep a mobile a game that makes no money. But um, it, it, it oh yeah no I do have an itch though I did I did remake it for one of our uh, locally sourced bundles. Okay, I was gonna um, say and if it's Android, you can just slap an APK on there, you know. 
I could. I might, I might go back and do that at some point. Um, but it, yeah, it was a little, I call it a knife em up. You just have like a specific target and you're just moving around this uh, dance floor. You have to like take down your target without hitting anyone else. It, it was honestly, it's still, I think, one of my favorite things I've done. Yeah. Uh, after How that, pill popper. Huh? How good were you at it? I was pretty good. There was okay. a dude who was better. There was a guy who would pop, post up like every day with like his new high score. I think by the end of it, he was like quadrupling my high score, which like at the maximum like speed level is ludicrous like largely luck because you're just going so fast and moving around this floor and you have very limited mobility to like turn yeah but so that was pretty impressive um after that is a uh, pill popper which is uh, my first um uh arcade puzzle game type thing uh you have little yeah. pills you drop them on dudes to try to even out their moods it's like a weird dystopian setting where you're trying to make everyone a neutral mood okay. so if they're happy you give them sad pills if they're sad you give them happy pills uh and it affects the characters around them, so it can like set up a chain reaction. If they get too happy, they explode. Um, that type of thing. So that was, that like set the groundwork for uh, my current game, which is Wave Crash. Yes, it's I a uh, name of that one. Multiplayer uh, a puzzle game. Um, made it because I am bad at fighting games, but I really love the their, their like visual language and the yeah. characters and everything. And I'm pretty good at puzzle games, so I, I want to make something that would uh, sort of incorporate my actual skills with. The things that I like to see in video games. Oh, perfect. Assuming as we head out, what fighting game are you the worst at? Would you say? Oh, dude. Okay. Um. The, well, the only one I was actually good at was uh, Virtual Fighter. I was decent at that. That um, sounds like the opposite of the question I just asked you, Steve. I'm setting up. Hey, hey, hey! I'm setting up a context for the answer. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting um, your narrative. <laughs> so the actual. Oh. Um. It would have to be a very combo-heavy. Uh, so, so probably, well, I mean, they're, they're very similar games. So I would suppose like Marvel vs. Capcom series or Skullgirls, okay. like that that type of like uh, tag team fighter with like long combo strings. And yeah. So yeah, I do that. Although I do, Skullgirls is also one of my favorites as far as like uh, animations and aesthetic. Like I think the, the way they committed so hard to being like all the characters are weird. Like, even the, the default normal characters are still bizarre. And I, I love that about that game. Yeah, that, I, that's fighting games are a work of art. And they're beautiful, and they should be appreciated every day. Um, but enough appreciating fighting games. My favorite animation is in Melty Blood. You all should check out Melty Blood. And there's that one girl who's a vampire, I think, and she walks backwards and she points at you while she does it, and it's an amazing <coughs> animation. She's like, "I'm walking backwards, but I'm coming back for you in a moment." Just so you know, I still remember we're fighting, all right? Yeah, it's it's exceptional. It's an exceptional piece of character work. I love it, and I'm going on break now. Goodbye. I'll be back soon. We'll all be back soon. No, I'll, no we won't all be back soon. We'll be back with one of the guests. One of um, us will be murdered. Oh, shit, no. Mystery. Enjoy this thing that surprisingly slaps. See ya. Hello and welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio. We are here with, I'm down here at the bottom now. That's how you know that I schedule a lot of people on this show. We got a full house. You can still go and pay for your stuff though. Like, hey, if you got Twitch Prime, you're not using it for anything else. Hey, just sling it my way. I don't know what I do with that money, but I'm doing something with it, I'm sure. Um, That was like, so I remembered at one point there was a song or an album called Born to Add. 
it had like crept into my brain and I was like, what is that? I'm doing this, this tribute to the boss where I litigate the boss in my brain and think if he is cool or not. And I'm like, wow, that song is good. It's like a neat pastiche that is like born to run, but it's also like jungle land. Like it very distinctly uses the jungle land pianos. And we're here with our final guest, Ava. Ava, if you were counting loudly in the streets and the cops told you to knock it off, what would you do? Probably get as far away from the cops as possible. Such a good plan. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Very practical. Very practical. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. You may remember Ava from issue 11 of Indiepocalypse with gender dysphoria and a previous episode of Indiepocalypse Radio that I don't remember the number of. Because there's, yeah, there's a lot of them. 14 of them, with if you count this one. Yeah. Shit, I've been doing it for, it's one of those things where it's like you turn around and it's like, oh, I've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. But anyway, that's actually I didn't have four. So do you remember? I will ask you instead because there were not four previous guests on the last show. So I will instead ask you rapid fire all the previous guest questions. Are you ready? Oh, okay. I I hope so. If you could snap your fingers and have it something immediately implemented in your game, what would it be? Well, given the whole power outage stuff that happened in Texas recently, there's this game I really want to make, and uh, it would be really fun to just snap my fingers and have an already working sort of like implemented simulated system of a power grid that I can play with okay. and implement game mechanics into. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. What is the most noteworthy thing you've made on accident? Uh, the most noteworthy thing I made on accident. Um, that's a really hard question because I don't think I usually keep track of those things. <laughs> but I guess all your uh, mistakes and accidents in your brain forever. I mean, I try to forget about them instead. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the clo- the closest thing I guess are like things that I got into on accident. Yeah. Um, like. A really long time ago, I was trying to make like narrative games for Unity, and there weren't really any good scripting languages back then to use with Unity. Uh, so I stumbled into the great fun world of creating my own compiler and that sort of thing. That sounds exciting. Um, and it's involved into, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> and actually, I just released a new version of that scripting language that I've been developing for years, um, and it's on it's on GitHub, and it's. It's got a much nicer syntax now, and I recently updated some of my games to use the new version of the scripting language. I'm really proud of it. Perfect. I yeah. I when I started doing game development, Unity's 2D was bad, so I was like, well, I guess I will just use Game Maker instead. I I'm not a programmer, so I have to. Run yeah, there are definitely else. some. Yeah, there are some better choices now when it comes to like doing branching narratives in Unity, but. Like, I'm, of course, biased, but yeah. I still think my version is the best version. Hey, Except for maybe Yarn Spinner. Yarn Spinner comes pretty close, I think. It's, it's helpful to learn your to know your own language. And speaking of knowing your own language, here's an unrelated question. What's your hottest AAA take? My, my hottest AAA take? 
Hottest take on AAA ga- video games, rather. Oh, uh, they're all boring. Oh shit, that is not very. Uh, that's not a hot take, is no, it? That's no, that's a pretty so. common take. Yeah. Shit. Uh, well, wait, like hold hot, on. Get, let's go more specific about it. Well, what's okay. what's what's a especially boring one? You think? Uh, well, okay. I guess like every single time a shooter comes out, they always have the same layout where it's like a stoic guy in the distance, like <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, like yeah. where they just like take a photo of the guy standing like among like some ephemera or something, or like and be sad like about dust. Or not sad. Yeah, maybe because, being sad about something. Because men can't be sad. They, they usually look stoic. They usually yeah. just look stoic. Like they're they're like there for business or something. And the business <sighs> is shooting all these guns and upgrading. And them. like I, I know those games sell, but you do realize you're buying the same game, right? Like it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, the last time I am usually like I am very trend diverse because I have been burned enough times by things people really like that I was not inherent that I was not personally interested in myself. And that the last one of the last games of that was that Lord of the Rings game. I, was I like, see. This is like oh, this is like if you made Assassin's Creed but bad. Or I already played Assassin's Creed and this is just that. But, I think most recently for me, like as far as trends go was when cyberpunk like got all popular for some reason and every time i looked at the game and like learned like what the game was about and like what you do in that game i just couldn't get excited about it because it just sounded like like really bland right right like it had no seasonings or something yeah that's just if we like made a parallel to food anyway that's just how it felt right and i think a lot about comparing it to food and you know what some I like I eat a potato chip sometimes, but that's what they're meant to be like simple and easily consumable. Yeah, I feel like AAA games are like if you had dishes that only had meat in them and they were luxurious, but it's always meat every single time. Right. And there's nothing else. There's no greens to liven things up. It's yeah. just meat all the time. Sometimes they have like pe- you pepper on them. Yeah, I mean you gotta eat something else, man. Like you gotta have a balanced diet, right? Uh, you can get ketchup for DLC if you want. <laughs> but only ketchup. No ketchup. Nothing else. Uh, so that was all those questions. You answered them perfectly. I think that I think mustard is better than ketchup. I do too. I I mean I've actually gone over to chili sauce for a little while for dipping like French fries and things. Is that I see. Need something to dip, but also like I shouldn't use like aioli because it's got a lot of calories and stuff in it. You know, my my roommate has been telling me that like they always want to get salsa because you can make almost anything appetizing with salsa. I just ate a full jar of salsa this morning. Oh my or goodness! Mostly, I had like a, a little bit of it last night, and today I had. Well, I I put chips on them. <clears throat> I, I put it on chips. I didn't just chug. I almost drank salsa because it was next to my the open salsa container was next to my water container and I grabbed it and was like I almost made a big mistake because I also like very spicy salsa. I see. So, Ava, what 
game. So, yes. In development, triple A or indie, are you most looking forward to? Because Sean would like to know. Sean, yeah. the game I'm looking most forward to is probably Raccoons, made by a person called Punches Bears. Okay. Uh, I think the best way you can describe Raccoons is, well, it it's like if you had that Goose game, but it's just like you play as a raccoon and you wreck everything in sight, and it just looks hilarious because you have noodles for arms. Okay. I am a fan of Raccoons. Personally, they're like, I love... It's lukewarm take. I love their little bandit mask. I love their weird little yeah. hands. They got fingers and stuff. Big fan of all of that. Okay, are you doing? Yeah. That? Oh, raccoons. Okay. Yeah, like wreck, and then uh, it's. I, I don't. Have to it's raccoons. so hard to explain, but like it uses procedural geometry, and the way the raccoons move around is really, really funny. Okay, actually, um, I, I believe I have seen a, a bit of this before. Yeah, and so I'm really excited for that game because, like, I played I played the the Goose game, Untitled Goose game, a yes. little bit, and like it's it's good, but it I don't feel like it really goes all the way. And from the footage that I've seen from Raccoons, it's like this is like what I'm looking for, just like absolute chaos. I want to be an agent of chaos, and that's that's what I want out of this game. So I'm okay. really looking forward to it. Sorry, I was on their I was on their Twitter page and like on you know how you have the images off to the side? They had a picture of yeah. Moon Cop by Tom Gold. I'm like, what? Why is Moon why are they linking Moon Cop? I don't uh, know what Moon Cop is. It's a comic by Tom Gold, as they say as a depressed it's about a depressed cop on the moon. Oh, I see. Tom Gold, it's he's a cartoonist. Anyway, let's not get distracted with cartooning. Let's get that final question out of the way so we can enter. We can exit the rapid fire. Oh no, I lost my window. Don't make too many windows. Window. Kids, here it is from Morgana. About writing processes and narratives and games and balancing explicit storytelling with storytelling via game mechanics. How do you do Oh that? yeah. What's your process? This, this is a really interesting question to me because uh, balance, I don't think I really balance anything. Um, what I do instead is I try to find ways to make the mechanics and the narrative complement each other. Yeah. So uh, in gender dysphoria, there's this one thing I do where um, where I want the person who's playing to feel very uh, dissociative or detached from what's going on. Yeah. Uh, like to feel that everything that is happening is broken in some way. Yeah. It, and it's um, like very just like disjointed. Like you, you. Yeah. Disjointed. was the word I was looking for. I had a really hard time. <laughs> um, and like some of the ways I do that in the narrative, right? Like I, yeah. I put you through situations that I've been through, like for example, going to changing rooms and then being denied access because I'm at the wrong one. Quote right. Unquote, right. Um, but I also do that through the mechanics and something you might not notice if you play the game only once is that all of the scenes in the game are randomly ordered, uh, except for, I think two of the scenes are, are stuck in place. Like the very first scene and the very last scene yeah. you see in the game are, are fixed, but everything else is jumbled up. 
And like the way that mechanically works helps reinforce the disjointed feeling of the game. And I, yeah. I think that's what I try to look for is ways to sort of put those two things together and have them emphasize more than what they could do separately. Right. It, it was very much in playing the game. It felt like a flurry of these like interactions that are where like that they're, they're all interconnected, but they're all disconnected. It's like, this is just like wandering through this kind of living, like wandering through your life. And this is what it, you are, you're being the character. And also, I guess you are being semi autobio you are, but like this feeling of wandering through and like, there is a, there is a narrative, a, a through line narrative, but yeah, the individual pieces of it, like the order doesn't matter because it's all like this barrage of like similar interactions, but like always placed like in contextually different ways. And the, the way, they yeah, work. they're all, they're all in different situations. Yeah. And one of the things I tried to do, I don't think it came across very well in the game, but uh, one of the things I tried to do was make it so that the scenes influence each other in like really strange ways because memory recall isn't, you know, humans are very bad at, at memory recall. Right. So there are a lot of places in the game where like you can make a choice and that choice affects what kind of dialogue you see later on in the game. Even if like you reordered all of the scenes so they're in chronological order, like you might play the last scene for one of the arts and then go to an earlier scene, but the choice that you made in the later scene still affects the earlier scene, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like time warping, like choice manipulation stuff that happens in the game. Um, but I, I don't think I did enough of it and I want to do it more in another game sometime, I think. Well, perfect. I mean, there's always, always, there are always more games, presumably. Yeah. I hear there, there's so many things I want to do. I hear there there are so many games. There's like an apocalyptic amount of games out there. What what is an apocalyptic amount of games? Kind of like there's so many games that I, as an independent developer, am looking out into this wasteland and going, I can't make any money compared to these people who made money. Oh, wait, let's ignore the fact that they got boosted up by like large companies to get there. I see. Well, there are also other industries that are in yeah. that kind of state of disrepair. Right. So. But we keep making them because yes. we, we need an outlet to express ourselves. Right. And yeah. share yeah. information. So Yeah, I've heard I've heard dire things about poetry. Oh, have you? <laughs> yes. Now <laughs> trying to get yeah, coverage for any or payment or like I think it was very much the sentence. You think you you think you got it bad? I write <laughs> poems, and like you know, yeah, I, that sounds really tough. And I thought from it, yeah, you know what? I don't know where I would get poetry. <laughs> Besides, like yeah, me neither. Journals, maybe it usually pops up if in like in my life at least when like there's an important speech going on and they have a poet come like yeah. say things. But is that like the same five poets that everyone uses, you know? I don't I don't know. The poetry doesn't pop up in my life a whole lot actually. Yeah. I think that's the real problem. They're pouring out for poets out there. Oh, and um 
on another topic, I have some news that I wanted to tell you. I don't think I've told you yet. No, I don't think you have. Um, but I found out recently that gender dysphoria is actually on the course webpage for a class at UC Irvine. No, I did not know that. That is very cool. It's very exciting. I emailed the professor because I was so excited. And I was like, oh, it's so cool that it's like on your course webpage. And like, how do you find my game? And like, what do you like? Why is it on your course webpage? What are you using it for? Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and they were really delighted to receive my email. So, you know, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but apparently they played the game and they, they empathize it with it a lot since they're also trans and they have some trans students in their class and they wanted to have something on their webpage for the students to go check out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's not like part of their curriculum, but it's like right. there as like an extra thing that students can do. Yeah. That's, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just really exciting. I'm sitting right. here like, oh man, my stuff is like, Approved for collegiate material. <laughs> Somebody was like, yes, okay, yeah. This is... A professor at some college was just like, yeah, that's good. Let's put it on there. Right, yeah, this has, like, scholastic merit to it. This could... Yeah. I, I, I think there is something very important to the interactive experience with, like, creating empathy or, like, helping to convey an experience other than one's own. And I'm not sure, like, but also I think you do need people to, like, be willing to understand it, you know? I think it's really Empathy is, is something that uh, some people have to learn. And yeah. sometimes it's not the easiest thing. Right. Because I think it's also at the same time very easy for someone to play something like gender dysphoria and be like, oh, I don't care, and just click all the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> like that one person who was on my itch page and was just like, <laughs> Boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a. <laughs> what did he... <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I was just like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Like right. it's my life. It's right. boring for me. It happens all the time." Yeah. Like I, get, I can't yeah. argue with you. It's always a very <laughs> bizarre reaction to heartfelt, like personal works. Like mm, kind of boring. I don't know about this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that wasn't really the point, but sure. <laughs> Have you considered adding more microtransactions to it? Oh, God. I I don't remember uh, who I was talking about this with, but that reminds me of an idea where we were trying, we were thinking about a way to just, like, make a game that was almost entirely microtransactions and watching ads. Yeah. Like, the game mechanic was watch an ad, and that was, like, the entire game mechanic. I want oh, just like Ad Mansion or something. I think it happened in the Itch Discord server at some point. I once wanted to make. I, I mean, I, maybe I still will. I want to make a, a tabletop game that has microtransactions in it, and like bring it to shows. So like, I will have a cup. Oh God! I will have like a <clears throat> cup and like a QR code, and people could pay me, and I could give them more money or better tokens. <laughs> oh God! It. It, it just like you could do that like at a lower level uh like just with any board game yeah um and just instead of having a swear jar just have a microtransaction jar right and it's very <laughs> just much, like 
keep putting in money to get like every time you screw up and you want to change something retroactively yeah. here's two dollars i'm gonna go fix this thing <laughs> you want a bonus die in monopoly here just give me five dollars and you can have a golden bonus die <laughs> oh you all by default, Are we... by default you all get these little cubes but if you want to use the wheelbarrow you got to pay me extra <laughs> are we terrible people for talking about this no no because it's performance art it's perform oh i see okay well that makes it that makes it 100 percent okay no questions huh ah yes you see if you do something under the guise of performance art everything works also people <laughs> will fucking blow their money on way worse stuff and the money <laughs> that i do not spend on food i pretty much 100 percent invest back into art so myself personally, I don't feel bad about it. I see. I'm either buying if I'm not paying for indie pockets, I'm buying just like music, or comics, or movies, or just art. I don't have any other pleasures in life. Yeah, it it's really cool though. Like, I know a lot of people who would not be willing to pay money for those kinds of things. I just. Always looking for free stuff, you know? Yeah, I just dropped too much money to get... Because all the music I play on Indiepocalypse Radio, I pay for. Where, you know, is easily possible. I say I don't have to buy like a $90 secondhand copy of a Suicide album. I may just find other ways. Yeah, no one wants to ever do that. <laughs> yeah, but if... But hey, if they were offering it easily and I could just get it, I would. I even bought the same... Yeah, of that it needs to be accessible. Stuff. Yeah. I even bought the single of that Sesame Street song off of Amazon because it was the only place I could find it. I didn't need that whole album, honestly. But that one song I did want. It it makes me feel less bad about it. Playing people's music without royalties or something. But I only play yeah. it. But anyway, 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 enough of me talking about art. <laughs> and I... Also, it makes me buy vinyl because people press stuff on vinyl now. And people do a lot oh, of stuff yeah. on cassettes now, too. And that's neat, but I don't have a cassette Cassettes player. are so old school. Yeah. Cassettes are important, though, actually, because, like, people in prisons, for example. Oh, yeah. Cassettes are, cassettes are like, the only thing that they're allowed to bring into the prison. Because there's you can't, like, manufacture anything dangerous with a cassette. Right. Um, whereas like with a CD, for example, you can totally make a shiv out of that. Yes. Yes. Um, without trying very hard. Yeah. So I was reading some news articles recently, uh, a couple of months ago about like how it was getting harder and harder for people in prisons to access like music, for example, because people weren't printing cassettes anymore. Um, there's like, I think last time I checked, there was like one place in the U S that still made cassettes. Well, I guess, uh, I guess if you're if you're go if you're expected to go to prison anytime soon, get into independent music. They print on cassettes <laughs> still. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Like sometimes we don't think about the um, implications of the kinds of technology that we use, and yeah. when they go away, what that means for other people. Right. Especially like things we don't think about. Like I'm sure there's people out there who still use VHS somewhere. Somewhere. I don't know who. I. They're still all available at the thrift stores. And I look at them and go, hmm, I guess somebody's still buying these, or at least somebody's turning them in, and what would you do with it? 
Send them all to Victorville, they say. But cassettes aside, uh, people are posting music in the chat, and I want to look at it because I like <laughs> music. You can't help yourself. Yeah, that's fuck. The, <clears throat> the chat found the the secret way to engage with me, which is talk about music. Um, <laughs> my, my secret weakness. Uh, anyway, I'm back to here. Back to focused. Focus on the task Focus. at hand. Staying locked in. Um, speaking of VHSs, are you? Did you have VHSs? Was that? Oh no! Am I dating myself? Are you asking if, if like, you grew up and yeah, watched things on VHS? If I grew up without VHSs, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I had VHSs when oh, I was growing so up. Um, it was mostly Pokemon. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, mostly I was... just like the TV shows of Pokemon and um, some of the movies on VHS. And I know that a lot of people had had experience recording things on VHS, like watching TV and recording it to VHS Yeah, uh, to watch later. But that was not part of my childhood. My parents never bought like blank VHS tapes yeah. to do that. No, so I... I only ever had like already recorded VHSs that we would buy like the Pokemon VHSs and stuff. Perfect. Perfect. I was, I, I begin to worry every now and then like, Oh, wait a minute. Am I becoming too old? <clears throat> you realize every second that's happening to you. I am becoming You're too getting old, older, but I am the cool editor who brings in all the cool kids making games. And I have to stay cool with them and young <laughs> in spirit. Yeah. But I mean, like, just yeah. think about people who were born in 2005. They're like 16 now. They are, yeah. They don't even know what Pokemon 2000 is. <laughs> I don't even know what Pokemon 2000 is. Mostly because that was past my Pokemon age. I think I saw the first movie, and I got a Mew Pokemon card. I thought about selling my Pokemon cards recently. But it seemed like too much hassle. For not enough money. I think my favorite I think my favorite episode of Pokemon that I ever watched on VHS is the one where they have to deal with a Snorlax that's just in the way. Okay. Like they're they're like trying to go somewhere and there's this giant fat Snorlax just like in the way and they have to figure out how to get the Snorlax to move. I think that's my favorite episode. Like that's the one I remember most distinctly out of all the ones I watched. We have like, I don't know, fifteen of them. Yeah, I don't remember is now is that i just that... remember the snorlax eating like a thorny plant of some sort okay and it was yeah i don't really remember a whole lot it's just the one i remember the most yeah now is that like post because aren't they don't they make like a new pokemon series when they make new games for new regions um is that something that you know that... i never really caught up with I never really like stayed up to date with Pokemon after the original like 151. Okay, okay, so that was still the original season in that case. Then all right. Yeah, it was like one of the original episodes from like season one or something. Yeah, I have no context for stuff that I watched as a kid because I feel like episodic or like contextualizing television. You just sort of like watch whatever was on, you know? Right, like, right. <laughs> and yeah. I had no. I get, I get you. No concept of like shows having an order. 
Yeah, I used to like watch Saturday morning cartoons all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. And like, I remember at some point while I was a kid, I started to think that the Saturday morning cartoons weren't good anymore. <laughs> oh, man. And you put away childish things. But like, things. I never, I don't know. Like, I just like, I stopped watching them. I didn't, I, I don't know like when that happened exactly, but I just stopped watching them entirely. And then I just like didn't really enjoy well, except for like cyberspace or whatever it was, these math cyber thing that was on PBS. Yeah. What is it called? I have no idea. You're you're in the weeds. I've. It's like a PBS kids show. Okay. I I think it's still going on. Oh, it's called Cyber Chase. Okay. And I I think it's still going. And I have to say that like that is the one show that I continue to like when I started to feel like all of the shows um, were like bad. So to, to reverse the question I was going to ask as we go to break, Ava, instead of the last show, which was cyber chase, what was the first show that you were like, do you remember being like, I'm just not into this anymore. This is for children. Uh... Or this is bad. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know. It's either uh, the the superhero one about like a black kid who has electrical powers. Oh, Static Shock. Um, Static Shock, yeah. Or it was the Jackie Chan animated one. Okay. Uh, it's either one of the. I don't know which one was first. Uh, but one of those I eventually got really bored of. Like there wasn't really anything going on, and I just couldn't watch it anymore. Oh, perfect. And speaking of not watching anymore, we are not watching this segment anymore because we are at the end. It was great to have you back. We will be back with everybody in but a moment. But, um, yeah, great to have you back. I like having these conversations. I like hanging out with people. Um, Yeah, me too. It's great. Goodbye. Hello, and welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio, where I've invited everyone over to the couch, late night style, because you've all made it. Congratulations. You are the comedians who I'm, and I'm the Johnny in this situation, I suppose. I think. The couch is comfy. That's pretty, uh, that's a a pretty high, uh, you know, view of yourself, I feel like, there. What, (laughs) that I'm some unfunny old man who I'm going to put on a hat and pretend to read an envelope. I mean, you say that, but try, try some ne- next show. Try doing that. Try to get, try to get the uh, the same kind of, same kind of uproarious laughter he would get. You know. I hey, listen. I was a child I, watching. I, <laughs> I saw those Johnny Carson infomercials. And I'm like, this guy is not funny. Everything's easy in the abstract. You know, you, yeah. you see someone playing golf, and like, well, all I did is hit a little. But look how tiny the ball is. Like, yeah, you hit it far. How would you not? Come on. I. Let's see. I'm not going to do it. I don't have the patience for it. I'm not that kind of talk show host until events open back up and I try and figure out a way to bring desks to conventions and host talk shows there with couches and have people hang out. I want, con- that's- I want conventions to be back just so I can create live versions of this radio show now. Yeah, just have like a panel at some convention. That sounds great. Yeah, 
and I the, the alternative I thought is like what if I like created like a fake wood grain desk but like printed it on a tablecloth and just draped that over the tables and called it a day just do like podcast bit outside and just set up a table wherever you want to just yeah and just yeah, yeah our table set up at the bottom of the escalator get into the convention floor but that's just that's the best lighting all right yeah i don't know i want to i want to be out there i want to be in the world i want to be alive i'm it's getting close i'm like oh, i could almost we're mm. getting closer person i see 2022 looking forward to it <laughs> we'll see i've already just the 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 number 2022 like i don't like how many twos though i feel like if i have to say 2022 for an entire year i'm gonna lose my mind i think we need to just like give it a shorthand name the 22s what if we just called the deuce i would be fine with that dude yeah <laughs> yeah it's like yeah the the date is it's july 17th the deuce all right yeah official official stamp here i'm giving it no one else try name years 2022 is the big deuce oh man i can't wait for new year's eve (laughs) so that way new year's day of 2023 we can officially drop the deuce exactly yep 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 oh here i can't we're all gonna go to times square we're gonna look at the big deuce on the big pole we're gonna wait for it to drop And we're all going to have to miserable to me. The idea of like waiting out in like below freezing temperatures surrounded by people like shoulder to shoulder. Like I, I, I've never gotten yeah. the feel of that. Sometimes people like misery loves company, you know, yeah. like people love shared misery for some reason. I've definitely put myself in some miserable situations to be with other people. I think I think it makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. with certain people, but like a bunch of would it be like, yo, let's go touch a bunch of strangers. Like, well, sure. I I feel like in retrospect, <laughs> certainly, my my um my uh, perception of anybody being close to anybody has been irrecoverably uh, destroyed. Yeah, like I can't I, even imagine the whole Times Square thing anymore. It just like. Yeah. If I see a scene like that, it just like induces panic inside of me. Like, wait, hold on, there can't be that many people all like Absolutely. that close together. Absolutely, I that's can't, disgusting. Like, I Someone's was playing catch something. I was playing Yakuza a little while ago and kept having that reaction anytime anyone got in anyone else's face. I was just <laughs> like, no, please. I know you're tough, yeah. but not this. And that's in a country with mass culture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they should have all just been. Listen, I, I, I think so least... I'm high fiving everybody. Everyone gets a high five. No, I am. I am <laughs> on record as a frigid New Englander, so I was already not touching people, <laughs> and I would keep business <laughs> as usual. <laughs> yeah, no. When people were like, I've, I, I think I've mentioned this anecdote of like being at a convention and giving a a polite farewell to other new englanders and then canadians who i just met like hugging and it's like oh i guess this is my screwed up (laughs) region i live in that hates everyone and each other and themselves i I, I love hugs i love like when you're going for a hug and then it's like it's like hug chicken like who's gonna let go of this hug first all right i'll take this to the limit dude i I will climb up on you like a koala i guess we just like live as one unit from now on okay I, i won't back down from that hug I will like if it's first. 
If it's someone I'm wanting to hug, I will never be the first one to stop first. We'll have that whole conversation mid-hug. It's fine. I am a man of my personal space, and I respect it, and I need it. But that's just me, and I know that. But also, no, I've no, I've both ways. I what am I talking about? I'm I'm funny both ways. <laughs> I think it's more like I have it's a very person to person basis. But yeah, of course. So, did anyone have any questions as they were going through this for any of the other guests? They're like, oh, I had a burning question, but I didn't want to interrupt to ask it. Um, if you had to choose to fight yourself from either five years ago or five years from now, who do you think you have a better time fighting? Like, who, who, would, who would give you the better odds? Probably five years ago. Really? So you think five years from now you're going to be in a better shape to fight? It, well, I think <laughs> more more so mentally than anything. I don't think me five years ago would have ever been able to fight regardless of physical condition. But every year... I come closer and closer to seeing myself in a place where I could fight someone if I needed to. You just hone that mental edge to an obsidian point. Exactly. Just like that. Do I have to pick? I feel like I'll lose either way. Well, yeah, but what's one? I was going to say, like, I, I, me five years ago and me five years in the future never wants to fight. Now? Are you at, like, your weakest point right now? No, yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, I would say that I am also. <laughs> I would say I'm a pretty, I'm pretty stable, so I presume. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I was better off five years ago, like emotionally speaking, um, and like well, that's, I that's expected hard. to get better five years from now too. The good so fighters I'm... are bad emotionally. Hmm. I don't know. Personally, I feel like I, I so I, I just turned thirty last month. So like I'm basically at the peak of everything I can do physically. So from here, it's only going to get worse. So five <laughs> years from now, I think I'd have a better chance. I, I think I would, I would be pretty good against, unless I do some some very significant life changes. I was gonna um, say, are you sure that could become one of those anxious guys that gets really self conscious about his body and then just gets really jacked up later in life? I have thought about putting myself in a position where, like, I had to get strong to survive, where, like, I go, like, live, like, Walden style in the woods and try to, like, build a, a cabin and everything, where it's, like, all right, either I'm going to get the physical capability to, like, cut down trees and haul logs, or I'm going to freeze in the wilderness. That, I think that's the only way that I could uh, get above par right now. I have never mm -hmm. read Walden, but... Oh, me neither. I don't... I've never read any of the books that I refer to. Why would a, I... Knowing a reliable source... That Henry David Thoreau was that son of a bitch was in town every other week. So, I mean, well, yeah, it'd be so boring. So, for as much as a man in the woods he could be, he was not a man of the woods at all. He was very much. Uh... I mean, so was Bear Grylls, right? Like that was the whole thing behind his show. Is his was the fake one, and the Survivor man's was like the real one, right? Like bear girls just like staying in hotels and stuff and coming out and like uh, I don't know I guess I'll like squeeze water out of like elephant <laughs> dung and like survivor man's like no I had to like haul this camera on my back set it up to to just record me starting this fire like yeah 
No, he's like, I, I just spent a night in the five or four seasons. I guess I'll go out into the wilderness and drink my own piss or something. <laughs> Whatever a survivor man does. <sighs> so this is a question that was asked two shows ago, but I like it. I think it's a good gauge of oneself, which is if you were a fast food chain, which one would you be? I, so I've never been to Jollibee, but like I feel like their energy vibes with you very well. So I think I'd be a Jollibee. Okay, now follow-up question: What is a Jollibee? It's a it's a Filipino restaurant chain. Uh, yeah. It's uh, mostly based out on the West Coast, I believe. So I never went to one, even yeah. when, when I lived in California. It's just a weird oddity to me that I just would like pass by and be like, I'll just stick with like taco bell things but like so they got um so they have a lot of like uh filipino like uh, comfort food staples uh, like fried chicken um spaghetti uh they have um oh, what's the dessert called it's like hollow hollow or something it's like it's like a layered dessert where it's like just everything it's like jello and like pudding and just i think there's like some cookie bits or like fruit and like a bunch of stuff just in it layered on top of each other um so and it's like it's not but i just like the fact that they they commit to their specific niche so hard, you know, because it's yeah. not very like fried chicken, spaghetti, not a typical combo for Americans. But like, like no, we're we're doing food that we liked in like a fast food format, and we just have this chaotic energy to it that I appreciate. We very much, I very much had this conversation on a previous episode of Indie Apocalypse with Maria of I forget what issue. She does um, like tabletop lyric games and was literally in the Philippines. So, uh, hearing all of and I made one of those desserts. I forget what it's called, but it was like, um, like rice and chocolate, and you mix Ooh. them together. Nice. But I forget what it's called. Uh, it's got some L's in it. And I think a CH. But I'll. I also love Filipino breakfast. I feel like uh, I feel like Eastern Asia does breakfast better than us because it's just like it's it's really good savory food that just happens to be in the morning, and I like that a lot. It's like, yo, we got some some garlic fried rice, we got some eggs, and we got like some some cured sausage or uh, some pork or whatever. Good stuff. It does sound good. Oh. Um. Returning to the question, I feel that my soul is inextricably linked with Wendy's after working at one for four years. So okay. I, I can't imagine any other uh, possibility. You're, you're So you're kind of like a square patty kind of person. <laughs> I would say so. I like symmetry. I, enjoy, I think I enjoyed their fried chicken sandwiches. good. I mean, it was good however many years I ago I worked there. It's the best fast food item, I feel like. What is? The the, the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. I feel like it's just like the number yeah. one thing. That it's really good. good. It It is quite good. I cannot, despite my grudge, I hold. Um, I cannot deny that I still crave Wendy's food often. I wish I wish it was there. I have to go to a... I don't pass one reasonably, I, but occasionally I would pass a Burger King on the highway and I would also get spicy chicken. And then, like, sometimes I've found myself going to just, like, cheap fast food sometimes because I miss traveling. And it creates <laughs> a sense of travel. Yeah. yeah I got you. The, the time when you can have, like, a 
you can have a Big Mac at like 7 a.m. in an airport because what is time even mean anymore? What, yeah. what, it's, not, it's, a, it's, right. a, it's a construct. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I'm in Toronto. I guess I'll have a Whataburger or something. Wait, do they? Is that a Texas thing? Do they Whataburger in Canada? No, it's no, it a Wahlburgers, I think. Oh, Wahlburgers. Okay, I think I said what. Yeah. I did say Whataburger, but I think I was wrong. I think it was a Wahlburgers. Which is close enough, I think, geographically. Like, I, I'm, I'm not a healthy person, but the one, one of the few rules I do hold to is if I'm, I'm going to have, like, terrible junk, I need to either be, like, in transit or I have to walk to it. Yeah. And so right now, the closest, like, actual fast food is over a mile away. So I, I don't have fast food very often. Yeah, same. I, all, the only things that are, like, near me right now are a bunch of, like, pretty good uh, Vietnamese restaurants for the most part. I have a Domino's three minutes from my house. Right. <laughs> well, yes, I also have that on the block that I live on, but I I I don't do that one often. I but I can get I can like, get five whenever I want, and that's really good. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I love five to me. I don't know. Just that, that, that's my favorite of the um of like the staple like noodle soup. Yeah, food. yeah. Like ramen's good. I like ramen too, but it's like yeah. kind of greasy sometimes and kind of heavy and like fuzz. It's just, a lot. It's a lot. Fuzz is just like in the middle of the day. I just want something like pretty clear that's like nice and savory. I can make it spicy if I want to. Yeah, ramen. Ramen could be a little bit much sometimes for me. Oh, I man, I, up. I had ramen in Japan and I'm now spoiled forever. Oh uh, well, that's a different story. <laughs> I mean, ramen in Japan is so good. Bad. Yeah, I, I, but at the same time, though, like, uh, Japanese people aren't locked to Japan. You know, it's not like there's this weird idea where it's like the food is only real if it comes from, like, the one place. But That's it's, true. Like, That's true. No, I, I understand, but I haven't found a single place yet that, like, like, in the U.S., I haven't been to a single place where, like, the ramen was as good as what I had in Japan. I know it's out there. I just haven't found it yet. Well, there yeah, you go. I... We got to go to GDC again. We got to hook you up, and like we'll we won't stop until we find the place. Screw the actual. Yeah, convention. I'm, I'm pretty about. sure there there doesn't exist one in Austin at the very <laughs> least because I've been to the ramen places in Austin, and I I don't think any of them come close. Yeah, I have to drive like an hour to get to even like, even to be able to purchase ramen. Wait, where are you at? I'm in Massachusetts, but not in like a city. Oh, I would say even in like I, I'm in uh, in Ferndale, which is like a, a suburb of Detroit, the Metro Detroit area, and there's still some decent like Japanese food around here. It's it's pretty, I don't know, it's pretty good. I I have a Thai restaurant nearby, but they don't have. And it, well, the Japanese place I have nearby is like a steakhouse, and they don't have ramen. They have like like udon and stuff like other noodles, but it's mostly like a sushi and steakhouse place. Oh, udon can be really good too. Yeah, but also yeah, I, I had an actual restaurant experience. Like uh, I don't know, I just can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. T- turns out this show, in t- instead of like alleviating the 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 anxiety of not being able to go out and. It actually makes it worse because now it's like now I'm not going to a place where I know nobody. This theoretically, I would like oh now I could theoretically go to an event and I would know people who were there, and it makes it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, that Filipino rice pudding just was champorado. I looked it up. 
I've not heard of that one, but I would be down to try it. It's very easy to make. It's rice and bitter chocolate and car- and like evaporated milk. And I love bitter chocolate. And like my my, uh, my current roommate like hates like anything that tastes like even remotely bitter. Like even like regular milk chocolate, he still detects like the bitterness in, it, and that's like all he tastes. Yeah. Like I I would I just feel so bad for someone who is cursed with that affliction. And the same thing with like people who taste cilantro as soap. Like I love cilantro. Mm-hmm. I, I will chew, like if I get a bunch of cilantro, I'll just chew on it because <laughs> there's more than I can ever use. No, with you. There's, so good. There's a place near my house called cilantro. What do they? What do they? It's a what do they have there? Okay. Uh, I hope it's like a bookstore or something. It's like that. Like, I feel like you guys should probably change your your name. I, I see. I get hungry. I don't. I'm not hungry for words. I'm hungry for food. Right. Oh. No. I there used to, uh, there was used to be a bookstore that I enjoyed because it was like a warehouse like bargain bookstore and then they closed. That was in a mall that where everything is closing. It doesn't have a food court anymore. I was there recently. <laughs> The first time I was there, I was like, oh, the, the mall pizza's gone. If I can't get mall pizza, we're truly in the end times. And now there's not even a food court anymore. They took um, all the chairs. Personally, I'm good with never going to a mall again in my life. Oh, they're like weird relics, and I like visiting them. Yeah, I, like- I went to one recently, and it was just so surreal. Like, I like when they have something like cool because you know when they have you know the dedicated just like um like an fye or whatever it's just like here's a bunch of like like media and then also just weird like pop culture artifacts and get yourself some headbands or whatever it's yeah thing it's funny yeah you're 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 bringing me back around if uh, that's malls are the only place i've ever seen a hot topic and if i ever do see a hot topic i will walk in there no matter what age i am is there is newberry comics a regional thing Newberry. I've never heard of that. Okay, so yes, it is. <laughs> that's my Newberry. quote. That's what I think of. The thing with records and comics in a wall of Funko Pops is Newberry Comics. Mm. I think uh, Spencer's is the one that I'm familiar with. There's the like the one fancy mall uh, nearby, a little down the road. Um, that just has like, if I was into actually fashion and looking nice, then it would be great because they have a lot of those stores. But then like zero like actually fun cool things so there's no like bookstore there's no there's no electronic store besides like an apple store but they do got a shake shack so it's like all right that's like right. one saving grace there. i'm <laughs> saying, down for shake shack are you saying fashion is not fun because so let me tell you something about fashion okay that i lied that's the other thing i like to spend money on but sometimes it's clothes because i like to buy clothes Virtual fashion is fun. I love dressing up my characters all nice. That was the only reason I played Final Fantasy fourteen is to have cool. And then I got looking cool, and it's like I'm done. I have the perfect outfit. Like, yeah, there's other more expensive that yeah, there's stuff that's being auctioned for like millions of gold. But I don't want that. I got my thing, my like gladiator chest plate thing, some fancy pants. Like that's all I wanted. I need it all. I've been um, for the past couple years on and off. I've been into the uh, Final Fantasy fourteen role play scene, and you gotta have your outfits right. Wait, wait, you're saying you don't play Final Fantasy fourteen to grind up every character class to level 80? Well, I also do that incidentally, <laughs> so I can wear all the clothes specific to different jobs. But you need to grind up all the things so that you know which gear you can throw away and which gear you need to save, because... My inventory's a mess. <laughs> I, 
I okay, so I used to play WoW fairly. Re- that was like my go-to. Like I, I, an expansion would come along, I would play it, I would drop out, and then I would another expansion come along, and I like to see numbers go up. Then I tried Final Fantasy fourteen, and it filled that niche mm-hmm. for me. I have played a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen. It has become one of my favorite games somehow. Yeah, it's you know, I. It's weird if we can dive into Final Fantasy fourteen a little too much. I kind of wish those. Sometimes I wish those. When people are like, Final Fantasy fifteen is there's all guys, and it's like, well, because all the women are in Final Fantasy fourteen apparently. <laughs> like and the- they're all dying in the story. Yeah, I wish. Sometimes I wish like, what if these characters were in a game that like was not an MMO? That might be interesting. So like, uh, Dissidia. <laughs> that's, that's, the real monkey's paw that's, there. that's the monkey's paw <sighs> I wish Dissidia's story was more interesting I feel like because the, the, I, I, I'm not big into MMOs in general like I, just the whole like loop of like um, mm-hmm. acquiring numbers does this appeal to me usually but like the one thing I liked in Final Fantasy 14 that I don't, don't understand isn't like why it's not the uh, just the default is having mm-hmm. one character that can be every class yes. Because, like, the idea of having to, like, start a, a whole new, like, identity for a thing, if you want to be, like, a warlock versus, like, a mage, is just... Right. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I spent 200 hours with this guy. I don't want to, like, abandon them for something right. else. It's just, it'd feel awful. No, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful and it's a nightmare because I can also just be like, oh, I want to level up a new character class now. I can just press two buttons and now I am a paladin. Oops, now my Paladin's level 70. Oops. I don't have, like, a very specific thing, daily routine that I use, and good thing main story gives me a lot of free time to do other stuff while there are (laughs) cutscenes. Yeah, totally. I do a lot of my drawing while I'm in main scenario roulette. I love that the Praetorium, whatever one it is, because it's got very long cutscenes. Oh, the you one know. that you have one unskippable one? Yeah, yeah, you get a bunch of experience and all the free time you could ever want. It's beautiful. And I and that one... Okay, is this just me, or is one cutscene louder than all the others? Recall. I usually okay. have it muted, I gotta say. I gotta okay. be honest. <laughs> I was gonna say, because I feel like the, the one is louder, but it just might be in my imagination. I didn't know. Anyway, let's... This is not the Final Fantasy fourteen cast. <laughs> we're talking about Final Fantasy fourteen. I mean, I spent most of my time talking about card games, so it's like yeah. it, this is a, a, a space for all ideas and things. I why do you even talk about horsemanship? I feel disrespected. I, Horse- horsemanship. It's a it's a it's a text that like two like two or three cards in Magic the Gathering have back from like three portals. Oh yeah, or it was like flying, but it was like thematically based on like the Legend of the Three Kingdoms. Or yeah, that. yeah. I think it was called Three Portals or something. Yeah. Dude, I, I love games when they're in an early stage where the developers don't really understand what the game's about themselves, you know? Because, like, most <laughs> games like that, when they're released, you have an idea of what it means, but, yeah. like, players get to decide what it means. So you could be like, well, we assume this is going to be a lot more meaningful, but people don't like it. So I guess that's not what our game is anymore. Yes. That's why That's why, That's why. why I said, like, like, modern card games feel too clean. I feel like somebody thought them out too much and planned too well. <laughs> I've been playing um, the video game version of Yu-Gi-Oh! lately. Okay. Uh, 
and that's fun. <laughs> there is... I like it because the the like campaign mode is you just go through all the battles that happened in the story of the anime. Um, so like going through the battles that I remember, they have like the decks set up of those characters to like play off each other in like a dramatic way because they were written to do so in like a TV show, you know. So it feels very satisfying. QQ, like the, just the the fact that they've committed to like just keeping this game going forever without doing traditional rotations. <laughs> That's the hardest possible design scenario I can think of for I, a game. I respect it. And That's I was, so I was trying to, I will probably, I will look it up at some point and put it into our secret private Discord. But there is like a Beanie Tuesday, I think that's his name, tweet, where it's like Magic versus Yu Gi Oh! like card descriptions. And the Magic one is like thoughtful, thoughtful moves and, or thoughtful decision. And it's like, look at the top three cards, pick one of them, shuffle the other ones midway through your deck. And it's two guys like thinking about things. You know, and like they have mm -hmm. funny hats, and Yu Gi Oh is like, I'm evil hot dog. <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like Chromega Thermal Collider. Like shuffle two card two collider cards from your graveyard into your deck, and then take two cards from the top of your deck and put them into your hand. As long as you have three Chroma cards, like it's man, yeah. I can't like, I can't, I can't, I can't tweet. My um my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card that I've discovered through playing this game is called Fairy Witch, and the description just reads, uh, "Was a fairy, but then decided to become a witch," and I respect <laughs> that a lot. There is, I also have very like nostalgia, nostalgia for an era that I did not uh, participate in is like old Magic cards when like they weren't there wasn't like a house style for each one, and it was just like the weirdest bullshit people would come up with. Anyway. So are we done? What? I can I can going about magic cards. No, I, I, I could. That's that's why that was that was me rating myself in, and I, I love especially I love historic and magic because it's like here's all the dumb bullshit that like combos, and is chaotic and it makes people mad and angry. I'm a dirty goblin player and I love it. So like my favorite, so real quick, my favorite magic card in the entire game is um is a, a dwarven song okay it was a it was a one mana red card from way early on and the, the full text of it is um okay, uh it's an instant uh changes the color of one or more target creatures to red until end of turn you choose which and how many creatures are, are affected cost to tap maintain or use a special ability of target creatures remains entirely unchanged um and so i like it because it's so much text that's unnecessary <laughs> To the point where, like, the updated text is just uh, one or more target creatures become red until end of turn. And I just love that they clarified that, like, okay, it's changing just one thing. It doesn't change these other unrelated things. Because imagine if every card said that. Because every card could say, like, yo, deal three damage to a target creature. Uh, this does not change the color of the creature. It doesn't change the owner of the creature, the cost of the creature. Like, it doesn't change. And it just deals the damage, okay? It's like, oh. well, yeah, that's, that's the assumption. I read the card and do what it, it says. I don't know why... I, I love that they early also, on they is, had no concept of brevity or clarity. Also, this is exceptional art. It is very good. It's three pointy nose, uh, bearded guys who all look like they're like trying to say well actually to each other. <laughs> well, actually. Well, you see, actually, you can still tap for different color manas if you want to, 
And Actually, I prefer the mithril over the uh, the, uh, the elven silver because it's slightly lighter while I'm still providing durability for uh, dwarves. I love a magic I'm, card. I'm getting lost in the sauce just like two <laughs> on the second line of this thing, just getting lost. I love magic. It's so long. Cards. I love cards that have that card in magic, and you get to choose because that's how cards work. Like the, the cards have to specify, like you know, it's like counter target spell. Like you get to choose the spell. Oh, cool! I get to target it. All right. Like yeah, it's because they hadn't invented the word target yet before that. So everything was had to be choose. But then target was a way to you know simplify all that shit. Yeah, I love when oh, magic man. cards have that much text, and it's just all flavor. It's like wow, look at all this text on this card. Oh, it's a fucking like poem. You know what other card game I love? Yeah. Bot and Kytos to the Nintendo GameCube Entertainment I, System. Yeah. I, oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, 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 Charizard. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Bot and Kytos. Arabian right? Nights was the most fantastic set. They had a card. It was um, Lamp in a Bottle, I think, where if another person, or it, it basically just banned people from playing other Arabian Nights cards while it was on the battlefield, which was <laughs> fucking silly. But yeah, Shahrazad is fantastic because it makes you play magic to play magic. It's beautiful. It's all card games should aspire to be Shahrazad. Oh, so Shahrazad. Yeah, there was a um, no. a. It was like CCG Jam or something where it was like make a card game. And so I was researching old magic cards. And I was like, oh, man, because I used to play like old shit. And then I was like, oh, Arabian Nights actually was even worse than I remember, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, But yeah. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful mess of like conflicting design and everything about it is my favorite. It's I. It's a little cleaner now. I wish they still just like were just went hog wild with it and just kind of just made mm-hmm. shit up. I mean, they do like now they're cleaner, but they are definitely yeah. still very complex. This last set has like dual face cards where one side's a planeswalker and the other side's a vehicle. So it's like yeah. what? Like, <laughs> Fortell as a concept. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. We're, we're, we're just getting in the weeds of Magic the Gathering at this point. Anyone else? Let's let's get into plugs before we just uh, you you you're talking about triggering my trap cards. You got me talking about Magic the Gathering, so we're gonna get the plugs. Uh, Sophie, what have you got to plug? Um, mostly my itch, I suppose. Uh, Sopy dot itch dot io sopy dot itch dot io dot io um and my twitter soapy s-o-p-y crystals at twitter.biz um oh, episode two of your parts is going to come out sometime this spring yes so there's, there's a page for it even <laughs> um perfect i'm going clockwise which makes sense if you're here not if you're listening to this later ava what if you got to plug uh I guess for now, I'll just plug the narrative scripting language that I made that I talked about earlier. It's called Rumor. You can find it uh, pinned on my GitHub profile page at github.com slash exodrifter. I hear you make music, too. Is that out? Oh, yeah, I make music, too. 
Um, I released a new music album uh, in January this year. You can find that uh, on my website at exodrifter.space. Perfect. You might have heard some of those songs played on this very radio show. They're good stuff. I, Indie Apocalypse radio show stamp of approval. Thanks. And I also normally stream music production every week, but uh, things have been a little crazy lately, yes. so I haven't started that back up. But I soon. I believe if, even if you checked on this, I believe you are even hosted on this. You're one of my auto hosts, I think. Oh, awesome. I try to make all the, since, I mean, I use this page once a week, so I try to auto host all, you know, con- past contributors where I can. Yeah, I, I host, uh, I just like make music uh, every week, usually. Cool. Um, and it's fun. It's a good time. Steven, plugs. Um, yeah, so you can find, I dropped it in the chat just now, but uh, my game Wave Crash at uh, the Flyover Games slash Wave Crash, or uh, also just wavecrashgame.com currently redirects there. Maybe the website eventually, probably not. Um, I use websites nowadays when you redirects, you do all that for you. Yeah, redirects or link trees or whatever. I mean, fancy websites are cool now, but I just want to get to, people just want to get to where they can, you know, get the game, so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, don't do music really. Just kind of in the gaming sphere. Um, maybe doing some more teaching at Lawrence Tech University. So if you want to take a class taught by me, go sign up for next uh, the next fall semester or whatever. Uh, is GLGX going on tomorrow as well? Uh, yeah, GLGX is still continuing tomorrow. Uh, GLGX.dev is where you can find all the the schedule for that. There'll be some more talks. Um, and we also have a games uh, showcase lineup that a lot of games have uh, free demos going on. Um, so uh, check those out too. And Damien, finally, what have you got to plug? Um, I'll plug my website. It's cannibalinteractive.itch.io. Um, that has all my jam games, my full games, my prototypes, all of that stuff. Also, like, I do a bunch of other random stuff like i have a small book of haikus and some tabletop games and stuff yeah. like that you can publish um, on it ain't no rules yeah um on twitter you can find me as the worst rpg dev um and then um right now i'm also running nemesis jam on itch.io uh which will you know it's pretty much near the end here so whenever people are just listening to this um it'll definitely be over but there's going to be good games in that um so yeah that's the stuff to watch there well, perfect and me as you know i hey i think you should go to indiepocalypse.com and buy indiepocalypse it's a good thing go to indiepocalypse.com slash patreon just subscribe to the patreon even at one dollar hey you know i turned on the cool channels in the discord now so now if you're a patron you get to go to the secret patron channel which i don't know if people would use that but people like those kind of things or if you're a contributor we have a cool secret contributor channel where i talk more and you get to see all of my cool gifts that i make i make a lot of artisanal well, i don't have an artisanal gift business what am i talking about let's get back to business indiepocalypse.com slash radio it's here subscribe if you got that twitch prime thing just sitting around just hey add it to this and then i take all that amazon money and i roll around in it all six dollars of it it all has bezos's face on it though which is weird not anymore it's officially i i 
Did I call it like Gassy Cash? I I made up some bullshit name for it because there's new CEO. That was part of his um, you know that that was part of his uh, parachute eyes. He got to keep the space on all the monies from Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, com slash submit if you have games that you want to submit to Indiepocalypse. Um, Indiepocalypse.com slash zine if you want to submit stuff for the zine. I'm doing something with that. I feel like that's going to go through a restructuring soon as I come up with more ideas for like what I want that to be and how I want that to be like a thing that's more consistent. Um, I think that's all of my links. Uh, maybe we're at the part of the show again, where I once again, open my hover page and say, did I remember all my redirects? And I think I did. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, there's a newsletter. If you want to get emailed about once a week, indiepocalypse.com slash newsletter. Oh, slash discord. We'll get you the discord. Same. Indiepocalypse, whatever you get the idea. Just type slash whatever after Indiepocalypse and you'll find something, I'm sure. Maybe it's a dead page. Anyway, um, we're ending the show now. Thank you all for being here. I'm glad to have you all. Oh, please, please, no. I, You're welcome. I don't take compliments. I take them and throw them away because... I'll take them. Yeah, I'll give them away to somebody else. I can't handle, I can't handle it. Okay. God. Dessert. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye to <laughs> the end. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Long therapy. See you.